happy 50th episode opening weekend. On behalf of Geppetto, Galad, Gabe Kaplan, Richard Farnsworth's ghost, Nick Nolte's coffee can, and Ron Perlman as the sayer of the floor, I'm Gene Charlotte, wishing you boys all the best as you desperately try to build on past successes. I mean, congratulations! Star Wars A New Hope, Sly Stallone's a real dope, Ted and Whoopi made a sad, Super Mario was bad, Gremlins beat Street Ghostbusters, Bubo, Mel Brooks, and Raiders, Fred's lies made them ache while his mom kept making cakes. Man was a hit, Honey Shrunk's a piece of shit, Blade Runner divides the three, Mega Force and Barry B. Baby's days, Matisse's Faye, the shadow made their brains cave, Sheila's at the potter's wheel, Swayze's ghost gave them the feels. They didn't start the virus, but they made a podcast figuring it would not last. They didn't start the virus. When it comes to movies, older ones are groovy. Die Hard is a Christmas flick. Fish called Wanda's humor sick. Caddyshack's among the best. That's why Burkrout was the guest. Weird science filled Jay with hate, but they all thought Sixth Sense was great. Fat boys with rubber gloves disorder. Leaves can't buy me love. On the island of Moreau, she's the one hits on new low. Corina or Corina. Pronunciation start to blur. Is Pat a she or he? Zap could solve the mystery. One true thing's about streeps and seven scored a pair of tens. I have been in this business 52 years, and I will... I've never seen anything like this. They didn't start the virus. They watched Commando slaughter and slipped through first daughter. They didn't start the virus. They were reviewing Punchline while the squad made Lunchline. You son of a bitch. Halloween brought tricks or treats. Punch from clubs, a masterpiece. Freddy Krueger made them piss. Will Master and Commander kiss? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Tom Selleck makes Freddy squeal. Santa Claus was such a bore. Apollo dies in Rocky IV. Shut up your face. Richard Pryor was the toy. Superman filled Jay with joy. The exorcist made Dan's head spin. Fred felt the same about Chaplin. Good morning, Vietnam. Mr. Holland dust till dawn. Charles Rodin stills lonely guy. Wally Sparks made grown men cry. Ah, the French. They didn't start the virus, but they made a podcast figuring it would not last. They didn't start the virus. Their sickness is nostalgia, not fibromyalgia. I have been in this business 52 years, and... Cosby's devil was a dud. Hopkins' face got soaked with blood. Everyone thinks Rushmore's great. October Sky manipulates. Nightmare 3 and private parts. Arthropod and Dan's hand farts. Woody's posters in the trash. Michael Caine won't blink a lash. Gung-ho porkies and death trap. Shakespeare films are mostly crap. Just kidding, I like those flicks. Fishburne took Jay to see Matrix. Watch what the fist is doing. Dream Team dead calm. Major League is the bomb. Love the way Behringer limps. Project X is filled with chimps. Raising Arizona's fun. Super fans like Young Damon keep track of what they do and count the Sheilas when they're through. RV 93, Aquila and the B. Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Kevin Chinnick, Jeff Ronke. Other guests like Dead Brimley. Firestarter sports movies. Now we cannot wait to see the weddings of the century. They didn't start the virus. Now they're up to 50, which is pretty nifty. They didn't start the virus. Now they're up to 50, which is pretty nifty. They didn't start the virus. It may have come from China or a bat's vagina. They didn't start the virus. 
Can you something else and then I gotta, oh, I'm gonna lay down now. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 50, yay, of Opening Weekend, the movie podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends, yay! Yay. Oh, happy 50th. Uh, Nobody nobody listening, you have no idea how long it took for me to, or for, I'm sorry, for Gene Shalit, for our special guest Gene Shalit, to get that. To get that out of them. That took a long, long time. Listen, I'm that sure was the greatest outtakes. 45 minutes of our lives. Oh, good God. That was outstanding. Not since the, the dawn of the podcast began with Terry Gross or whoever it was, has <laughs> the words bat's vagina <laughs> right. been spoken with such eloquence and right. fervor and and shallot. I think it's the only way he could say it. It's the, it's the only way Shallot could say it. Wow. <laughs> With fervor and Shallot. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And yes, today is a very special day. It is the 50th episode of Opening Yay! Weekend. Wow. Looks like we made it. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm exhausted. I don't know why I'm exhausted. Gene Shalit did all that, and I was right. exhausted listening to Why would to you him. be exhausted? Um, yeah, this week we are traveling back to May 23rd, 1980. We thought we'd pick a, a an auspicious weekend with some some really great movies. Uh, and, and there's actually a trio of modern classics. <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back, The Shining, and The Gong Show Movie. I am your father. Before we dive into the big 50th uh, episode celebration, mm-hmm. Fred and Dan, where were you guys in May of 1980? Wow. I believe, if I'm correct, I was eight years old. You won the contest. And right around this time, I was diving into and obsessed with the Time magazine that had come out on the 19th mm-hmm. that had, which I have framed right outside the booth that I'm speaking in of uh, it had a painting of Darth Vader. Oh my and God. it was their cover story on the Empire Strikes Back. And yeah. I was obsessed with that, the, the article. I mean, I couldn't, it blew my mind. I couldn't <laughs> get enough of it because it was the... First of all, I think we've spoken about this many times. That was like right when I, that was the moment where I really started to understand sort of the idea of of what went on to make movies, that there was more, these things that appeared on the screen that we liked, that there were people who, who wrote them and there were stories and there was all this work that was involved in putting them together. I remember there, there was a, uh, a little sidebar in the article. It was yellow. And I remember, and that was the first mention of George Lucas writing. Not, it wasn't even uh, the trilogy 
and it wasn't even six movies. It was nine movies. Yes, that was the right. very first mention. And I was like, again, wait, what? Yeah. What is going on? And Crazy. I felt that was, that was also the first moment I feel like now, obviously I wasn't the only person who read that time magazine <laughs> or knew this, but that was also one of the moments where I was, I felt in the know. I felt a part of something. Yeah, like sure. I know, I I know these tidbits of yeah. movie trivia. And I think it must have been around this time, or maybe shortly before, that I joined Bantha Tracks. I'd have to, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to check <laughs> the date because I don't, I don't think I was a, a card carrying member of Bantha Tracks, which was the Star right. Wars fan club. Right. Uh, you know, during the first movie, I don't even know if it was out at that point. It probably wasn't. It probably that all that stuff probably started around this time. Yeah, I would think. I yeah, think probably. you're probably right, Fred. Yeah, and that was God. That was so. Did you guys? Did you guys belong to Bantha Tracks? Dan did. Oh, that's Absolutely. right. Yes, yes, yes. This is taking yes. us right back to episode one. That's, that's right. Where we talked about the Star Wars. And when you get those little pamphlets in the mail, holy shit! What was more exciting than that? Oh my God! Well, I mean. <laughs> Not only that, but you got a little sticker, and we, I think we were, we may have mentioned this yes. in the first episode. You got a little sticker that said "Revenge of the Jedi." Eventually, yeah. you got that right, right, after right. Empire came out, and yeah, you would get these newsletters, and you you felt par- like you were a part of something. You felt like you were special. They marketed this goddamn thing so brilliantly. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, millions upon millions of kids all over the world took Star Wars as their own personal thing. There's nothing kind of, I don't know that there's anything kind of like that today where it it's like, religion. hey, this is my <laughs> thing personally. Yeah, th- yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It, re- it reached the level of like Greek myth or yeah. religious myth or, or you know, what ha- of like the stories that it's like, I take this as mine. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that was, it was funny. That Time Magazine, I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. who is this Joseph Campbell? Because that was the first time <laughs> in that reading that Time right. Magazine article where I really was reading, but where they mention how, you know, so much was based on, you know, his read of George Lucas's readings of the Joseph Campbell. So uh, yeah. myth, exactly. Yeah. I still have. The first Bantha tracks I ever got, it came with a patch. It came with a Star Wars patch, which yes, I still yes, have. Fred. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and there was one for this one. I remember there was actually, oh God, I wish I still had this. No. I feel like it was like a Hoth station. It was like a, it was a mm. patch, but it was like Rebel Hoth station, you know, location 5B7 or something. Oh, and I, and wow. I think it had like one of the, the snow turrets on there. Huh. I remember being so blown away looking at those trading cards and the lighting and the colors and everything, there was like a blue hue to everything. Yeah, and things yeah. were, it just, it, it was Star Wars, but it, it had a different look to it. Yeah. And it, I was, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. <laughs> it makes it feel more real. It's like seeing pictures of real people in different places or something. Yes. You know what I mean? It just, right. I, I think. And well, the, the, the buildup, the anticipate, I mean, that's the other thing they brilliantly did. What I was doing at this time was either, and God, I wish I could remember, but I think it may have been this coming Christmas, right? Because we're in, we're in 80. Yeah. yeah. Millennium Falcon, you know, came out with, that said Star Wars on it in 79. The one mm-hmm. that came out that said Empire Strikes Back on it came out Christmas of 80. So mm-hmm. I was probably, if I had gotten the 79 one, which I don't think I was, that means I was what I was doing at this time was playing with it. That's what she said. That's my joke. Damn it, Dwight. If I <laughs> was not, and that's really all I was doing. Um, if I was waiting for it, and I think I was for Christmas 1980, 
uh-huh. than what I was doing was yelling at my parents and angry at them because my <laughs> friends had gotten it and I hadn't. So one of those two things was happening uh, at this time. When does the Bill Moyers stuff come out? Like when he sits down with George Lucas and Joseph Campbell, for that matter. Yes. And he like has that the big, 90s. long talk with them where he's like, OK, you are the modern myth makers. I need to chronicle this mm. and, and and chart the course between what George Lucas is doing and what Joseph Campbell is doing. Oh, my God, I remember Dan. eating that shit with a spoon wow. and going like, I don't know who Bill Moyers is, but this is yeah. the greatest thing I've ever seen. You just brought me back. I can literally see the VHS or maybe the Betamax tape that we had where <laughs> yeah. like my parents must have taped it off TV yeah. oh, was that and that I can old? see it like in the back of our den. But the funny thing is, I think they knew they taped it because I was like, Star Wars, Star Wars, anything Star Wars. So they taped anything. it and I couldn't watch it. I'm like, what? I don't, what is it? This is just a bunch of old guys talking. Okay, well, just, let's just put Stop it in the back of the den there. demystifying this for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah, but I need I, you taking the magic God, out. I could, I could see the little like TDK label or whatever it was in the <laughs> yeah. brand on there. <laughs> this wow, Bill you Moyers just brought me on back. It. On some level at this age, we were just the right age to start wondering whether or not we mattered Huh. Right. We were just at that Ooh. age of like, we're going, do I matter in the grander scheme of things? Because it seems like that guy, Luke Skywalker, matters. Yes. <laughs> and know? the answer was a resounding no. <laughs> we don't matter. And that's why you're not getting the Millennium Falcon this year, man. <laughs> I wanted it so bad. And that's why we're though. not taking you to see Empire Strikes Back until July, Fred. <laughs> and that's why, <laughs> fill in the blank, Jason. <laughs> is that why every kid thinks they're special now? Is that what it is? is that, was that the genesis? Like it started there and yes. it was like, oh, am I special? Like wondering, is it possible? Or should I throw myself, should I tie a rock to my leg and throw myself off a bridge? No, I might be special. I might be the one. I might be Neo. I might be the, the, the young Padua. But now it's like everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, that's why at the end You're of my son's one. Little League season, we give them the Joseph Campbell special award. Everyone gets one. Bill Moyers used to present it, but sadly, I don't know. I, I'm assuming Bill Moyers is not Bill with us Moyers anymore. Bill used to present it. They used to bring Bill Moyers in. <laughs> New from Kenner's Star Wars collection, the Millennium Falcon that you put together. Batteries not included. Nice landing, Han Solo. Uh-oh, come on, Chewbacca. Stormtroopers are coming. Action figures each sold separately. The figures were more for me than the actual, than the play sets or the vehicles. Like if I, I had a lot of the figures and that's what, and I would just kind of set them up and do you know whatever and i would mix and match and i'd have spider-man interacting with boba fett and all that stuff so that was i i there was not a purity to my play well you and, and you had share come in at some point yes share was married to chewbacca because they both had long hair and uh and and <laughs> ballerina barbie seemed a little elitist so we married her to Batman, because we figured, well, she's Good used thinking. to a, a certain, she was accustomed, you could, she looked like a rich girl and she looked like she was accustomed <laughs> to a certain style of living. <laughs> and so we, and my sister and I, we would, we would pair them together. We'd be like, well, Batman's the guy with money, right? So she should be with him. <laughs> Makes but sense. Spider-Man, because he's mostly red. There was a redheaded character that she had. So we were like, oh, well, she's got red hair. He's got a red mask. That's how we, that's how we paired these people up. It was not, there was, it wasn't about a love connection. Um, <laughs> and that was it. And then they would like all live in some bit. She had a Barbie's dream house and we kind of had all the Star Wars characters and superheroes and Barbie dolls all like live together and <laughs> domestic trials and traumas. Um, fantastic. <laughs> because then you had the eight inch Mego action figures for the superheroes. Right. So, and mm-hmm. I had, I had three, Spider-Man was my big one at that time, you know, when I was a really little kid and my, and I broke so many of them 
and the costumes would wear down, like get threadbare and stuff. And my grandmother would fix the figures. Like there was one time I broke a Spider-Man completely in half. And so my, <laughs> my, I mean, just from playing it, like something snapped. Out of you anger. Know, it was, you no, know, it was just like, you know, the, like the ball socket for the, you learn a lot about the anatomy. How they're made, way, yeah. It's like, it, it's, they're like, you know, it's like, oh, and yeah, if you pull on the human leg long enough, it'll pop right out of a socket. <laughs> no, but anyway, she kind of had to tape it up with masking tape. So he was a little thick in the middle. He was like the thicker, slower Spider-Man. And then there was another Spider-Man whose leg broke, but it was in the costume, you know, the, the onesie. Oh, the Spider-Man dangling onesie. dangling in there, so the, yes. So the leg would dangle in there. <laughs> So he was also, and then I got a newer one that was like pretty pristine. And then as soon as I got the, so I had three and I never threw one out to make room. So it was like <laughs> Spider-Man triplets and they were eight inches tall. And then I got the, the 12 inch Spider-Man. I was like, well, this is clearly the father of these triplets. But it was like the template was Donald Duck and Huey, Dewey and Louie. I was like, if, if Spider-Man had Huey, Dewey and Louie, it would look like this. And so it would be Spider-Man, the redhead Barbie. And three little misshapen spider kids. And that would, you know, and they'd get in the Winnebago. Well, um, you could do a little My Three Sons. You know, you could do a little yeah, da, da, dee, da, da. And Redhead Barbie could play Uncle Charlie. It's perfect. Yeah, dee, dee, dee. And you throw J.P. Morgan, Artie Shaw, Phyllis Diller, Jamie Farr in there. Oh, my yes. God, Ben. You got a show. Yeah. The Gong Show movie. Exhausted from your new movie, huh? I hear there's a scene where a guy blows out a candle by... And that you and your girlfriend were. And that two young girls actually. No wonder you're exhausted. Hmm? You couldn't show it on TV? So you had to make it into a movie? Oh, goody! The Gong Show Movie starts Friday at a theater near you from Universal Pictures Rated R. Perhaps the first recorded instance of a vanity project disguised as a nervous breakdown, or vice versa, the Gong Show movie is a curious, narcissistic cry for help, written, directed, produced, and starring, as himself, the Gong Show's host and creator, Chuck Barris. The film shows a fictional week in the life of Barris as he auditions a series of outrageous contestants, laments his life choices, gets recognized everywhere by everyone, and then runs away to hide in the desert. The Gong Show movie also stars longtime staples of his TV show like J.P. Morgan, The Unknown Comic, and Gene Gene, The Dancing Machine, and features blink and you'll miss them bit parts from great character actors like Vincent Chiavelli and a super young Phil Hartman. Remarkably, the Gong Show movie was the second highest grossing film of the weekend, taking in $1.5 million on its way to a worldwide total of $6.6 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of the Gong Show movie? I was thinking one thing and one thing only the entire time I was watching the Gong Show movie, and that is, why is Fred Berman not playing <laughs> Chuck Barris in something, either in this movie, in a stage show of the life of Chuck Barris, the life and music of Chuck Barris? What he ha he has the same he has the same uh, height, the same hair, <laughs> chest hair, a pattern on his chest. He looks the same. He's the fucking same person. Fred's Go much more. I did not think of Fred it. once. He, he, I clap it. all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, Fred is mu Fred is much more handsome. It's true. And for, and but I mean, come the fuck on. You need to do this as your own project, Fred. You, you, yeah, that you, should uh, be your one man show. Yes, unquestionably, unquestionably. Do I get to play Gene Gene the Dancing Machine as well? You, well, you, you play, play everybody. everybody. Play, I play everyone. You okay. play Jason Morgan. You play you play uh, Jamie Farr. The unknown comic. Yeah. You play the Gong. 
just play the, the gong. gong. <laughs> you play the gong. No, it, it, uh, I, I, I was like, that's Fred. Oh my God, it's Fred. Fred, 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 Fred. So you that's need so to do funny. this. And, and that. F uh, Sam Rockwell, F Justin Timberlake, and anybody else who's supposed to play or have played Chuck Barris, including <laughs> Chuck Barris, F him too. It needs to be you, you, and only you because he was it, my it, hero. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh my holy God. Shit. This, I'm, really? I mean, you, t- you, oh God, I <sighs> used to love the gong uh, show. Same right. here, Fred. I same would, here. I mean, Dan, it. a couple episodes yep. ago, you talked about running home to, I think it was G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. I would run home to catch the gong show. Yes. There was one episode which I thought at that point, and I guess it was around, it was probably around this time, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I would tell people about it and people thought I was making it up. And in this instance, this was something about a movie or a television show that I was not lying about that actually did happen. (laughs) But it was an entire episode where every single contestant in one way or another sang the song Feelings. Oh yes, my yes, God. yes. It was the yes. entire episode. Yes, yes. Everyone sang feelings. I wow. <laughs> and I and it was like it was almost my first taste of absurdist comedy. Yes. And with all the hats, every time he came yeah. out with it, I'm like, yeah, how, why hat. won't he show his eyes? What is up with that? And he was always he wearing was a different hat on drugs. Yes. Well, obviously we know that now. And he had pr- profound mental problems, but he, <laughs> yeah, but but very very interesting. Got even in this yeah. weird ego stroke of uh, <laughs> of, of, yeah. of uh, the self aggrandizing this weird thing. I don't even know. It's not even a movie, but it's a th- but it's fascinating. Yeah. Looking, watching him, thinking about how because he wrote it with, with Robert Downey Jr.'s father. How about that? that? How about that? But he wrote it, produced it, directed and the it, movie. It. And, and, <laughs> and there's a lot of and I was like, this looks far better. Honestly, it looks better. The quality of the film looks better than I would have anticipated Agreed. from something called the Gong Show movie. Like, oh yeah, it's not that it's well. It's often very poorly framed and staged, but. <laughs> yes. it, but like, but maybe I'm just fascinated that the, that the film stock is of good quality you know, because you can see the difference. You're like, well, this is a movie and this is a clip from the TV show. I was like, this is a weird hodgepodge of shit. And uh, but I can't stop looking at it. And maybe that's the gong show. Maybe that's just exactly that what the, is gong, the show. gong show. You cannot yes. tear your eyes away from it. And you're not meant to. It, it, it is like, wow, what's next? Wow, what's next? Wow, what's next? And as an innocent little kid, it was just a fun thing that we would watch with my, yeah. you know, the family would gather around to watch the silliness and right. just yeah. laugh and laugh and laugh. And then Gene Gene did Dancing Machine, which was my favorite. Yeah, oh, he's back. And then you would just, you know, you, you would you would you would be you'd have a smile from ear to ear because it was something. Now, I don't remember it at all in any way being as dirty as it is made out to be in this movie. And I think it's just because I was young and innocent and didn't get what was happening. I don't remember anyone accidentally or on purpose dropping F-bombs or saying, or or, or saying things, doing things that would get past the censors. No, they would always do, like the judges would always have like little sexual innuendos. I could always, I didn't didn't get them as a kid. Exactly. But I think that was maybe also the point of the movie that he's going to be like, all right, now I'm in a movie, like we can curse and I can show this guy's ass. Right. 
Right. Hey, okay. J.P. Morgan, flashing, baby. You know, like, yeah. they, like let's just it's not open unlike it up private a parts more. in that way. Like, no, exactly. Show, you know what I mean? It There's ups a the little bit of that. All of that. Now, yeah. for those for our younger listeners <laughs> who might not know what the Gong Show is, right. because it was as is this movie. This movie is very much. It's an oddity. It's a, a curio of a movie. It's a very it's a really so. strange thing. But the show was it was basically like a cheaper vaudeville version of America's Got Talent in a way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It reminds you of all the like most uh, the, the things about American Idol and other stuff that we, you know, that yeah. like watching people fail and like the, the, yes. the kind of sick right. pleasure and or, or something, whatever we get. So we feel bad for them or whatever. Or we're embarrassed for them. But you want to watch the train but without wreck, the right? slickness there was no this was just yeah. pure chaos and there was a, there was a live band it was a live orchestra it was very <laughs> much you know of that old school era you had the, yeah. the b-list celebrity or like the c-list celebrity judges everyone wore tuxedos and i mean it was just it was madness the gong show always i think always felt like an experiment and this movie mm-hmm. feels like an experiment and so oh, it's totally. like, all right, let's put up some, let's put up some tinsel basically and, and put up some, some curtains and have, and have, you know, and get in this small, small studio, hang up a gong. <laughs> yeah. We'll get the biggest gong we can get and just see what happens. Um, but you're absolutely right, Jason, when you describe it as like, oh, everywhere he goes, people are auditioning for him oh, in yeah. line, no matter, you know, in, in, in the waiting area, no matter, in the street, not no matter where he goes. passes him by who's not like, Chuck Barris for the gong show. It's, a, it's this <laughs> fucked up, I mean, it's like, okay, yes, yeah. you were you were on TV, you know, it, was, right. it, it still, it just seems a little, a little much that he can't pull that hat down and not, like from 30 yards away at an airport, Somebody's not really like, yeah, Chuck Barris, Chuck Barris. Right. Yeah, but, you think, but, don't, but do you think that he really feels like that's what happens in his own life? Or you think he's making fun? Like he's, that's the I, whole, because to me. I don't. I think he, I think this is therapy for him. I think he feels like this is what's happening to me. I can't even go to a restaurant. I have to go sit in the kitchen. I can't, I have to go sit in the kitchen and Rip, Ta- uh, Rip Taylor has to serve me back there. <laughs> I, oh, your pardon. You can't get the help. I didn't plan this. I'm so embarrassed. Pardon, pardon. I'm so nervous. Don't go to smack his face. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I will attempt now to get the menus again. The menus! Right from the start, I was laughing. The, the way Me it too. opened, I was like, oh my God, is this going to be really good? I mean, I, I thought it was really funny. I like how he gets out of bed. He immediately puts on the hat. He yes. goes running with that hat yeah. on. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I was like, oh, I, I'm enjoying this beaten down Chuck Barris. He's not a great actor, no. but I was enjoying it. And in the first 20 minutes or so, I'm thinking, oh, my God, wait, is this going to be like this hidden piece of comedic genius? Like when he's in the hospital and there's some really yeah. funny moments they get. It's just it's weird and absurd. He gets in the elevator. There's an old man just slowly dying behind him. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Blue, blue from uh, from old school. That's blue. <laughs> Was that him? Yeah. Was that him? You're my boy, Blue. It's very much in the vein of or or these other things are in the vein of this like the Larry Sanders show or something like the TV host yeah. is like yeah, mi- kind of basically miserable down basically miserable and not you know yeah and not he might be successful on camera but you know what it's like the that's the mask for like his kind of messed up personal life and his like oh yeah I don't really want to sign these autographs or oh I just want to eat at a restaurant alone or something you know that that flip side of uh of fame that Gary Shandling explored. I was like, Oh, that's, it, it's, it shares some DNA with that. It does, I, but it's, it's an odd thing because I feel like, I mean, cause the gong show was still on TV <laughs> at this time. And it seems like a weird thing to, 
be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, it's an, it's interesting. It's just very odd to be like, oh, God, there's something very self-sabotaging about the yes, whole yes. thing. It's like he wants out. It's like, this is, his, yeah. it's like, this is his, his resignation letter. Um, I got to yeah. tell you, I was telling Dan before we started, I watched this last night and I was sort of, I was sort of drifting in and out. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time keeping my, not because the movie was boring me. I just had a long day. I was just tired. So I kept, but I was like, no, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to force my, so I kept drifting in and out and it felt like it was like a fever dream. Yeah. I felt like I was like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, like in <laughs> Vietnam, you know, half drunk, yes. you know, looking at myself in the mirror, just sort of going in and out. And suddenly they're in the desert and suddenly, oh, and Rip Taylor's there. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, a, there's a woman who's pulled her legs behind her head and has a puppet coming out of her asshole. Yeah, and, uh, uh, snatch. I was snatch. Like, it's the origin of Snatch. It's it the origin of really our show. the origin of Snatch, yeah. Our show with Geneva Carr. It must have been that we remembered somehow. Maybe we remembered deep down, like, oh, remember that puppet? Puppet but coming out of thing. between the ladies' I legs. don't think I really was falling asleep <laughs> that much. I, I think the movie just plays like a fever dream. I mean, there's something like Fellini-esque about it. Well, all right. But, uh, I mean, but you're right. Fred, I agree Fred, with you 100%. It's, it's like a fever dream. Fred, you, mu- you must have absorbed something from the movie because when they talk about meta, when they go to his office, the breakup scene, which is one of the worst scenes I've ever, things I've ever seen because she's <laughs> terrible and so is he. But uh, in his office... <laughs> All over his office, look in the background, there's all of these newspaper articles and movie posters and reviews that say, gong show movie, best movie ever. Chuck yeah. Barris, the new Fellini, it oh, right. says. Yes, it does say it that. It says right. that on one of the headlines. And it's wow. very meta right. because it's like, okay, he's in the movie that has already come out that is being reviewed, but he's in it and it's being reviewed well. And and here are all the, you know, uh, Gong Show movie wins five Oscars. It, that's all over <laughs> that's his right. office. I didn't see and it's all fantastic. of those. That's I was wild. like, this is so fucking meta right now. And it is in a weird way, Fellini-esque. It is a weird sort of, sort of French new wave or Italian new wave sort of style to it, which he, which, you know, I get, I, I completely understand why yeah. Barris, you know, throughout the whole movie, he's like, I want to do something more of substance because those movies have a repetitiveness to them. They, you, you can kind of, you can sort of check out for a while and be like, okay, the character hasn't changed very much. Mm -hmm. It's about people who don't change. And this movie is the same at the 45 minute mark as it is at the, at the, at the hour mark as it is at the hour 15 mark. It it, it feels lengthier than it is because it's the same story being portrayed over and over Mm. where he wants to get out. He keeps doing more gong show. He's get, he's annoyed by people recognizing him and auditioning for him, but he has to do more gong show. It just replays itself over and over. But I never lost interest. I Me never either. lost interest. It was <laughs> fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. And the biggest strength of the movie is that he keeps going back to the fucking clips from the actual show. And I'm go- and I'm going. Oh, yeah. He what makes the show great is not him. It's the people on the show. It's the fucking crazies who do what they do on the show. And then the way it ends is actually kind of beautiful because I was like, Oh, it's the USC Trojan band. Okay. That's not what I expected. I expected it to be all of the, all of the guests. And then it was, they all yeah. come out and, and not only the ho- the guest hosts, but Gene Gene dancing machine, unknown comic, everybody else, <laughs> a fucking Rip Taylor. They're all there. And they're like, come on. They're basically, they sing that ridiculous song. Don't get up. Don't get up, which is hilarious, but yeah. it's like, 
Please come back to us. It's I not, loved that. It's crazy. It's it's like Michael Scott from The Office when he makes a movie. It, like, because, yeah. because within it, because within it, it's like, oh, I can't get away. I'm so famous. It's a burden. And, you know, yes. and, and then it's also like, then it's like, and now let's watch me. I, did you know I'm a great runner? Do you know how well I play racquetball? Watch me jam with my band. Watch, <laughs> yeah, that here's my, here's my baseball card collection. Here, yeah. my penis is bigger than the mailman's <laughs> penis. I'm going to measure it right now. He's a oh, weirdo. That, this He's is so why weirdo. I say Fred but should play the role. This is why Fred should play the part. Because he does all of these same things. But it's true. I, could, I felt the same way, though. I was like, I, I can't. I cannot take my eyes off of it. What the, the thing is, it's it, it, completely prescient in that that's so much of what our uh, social media is now. TikTok, oh, yeah. everything, uh, 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 all these wow, shows, these talent right. shows, you're everything right. on YouTube. Every every time when you see the Star Wars kid with his lightsaber banging into the wall, that's 20 years ago now. But that yes. was like, you know, like taking these oddities, these like little <laughs> human oddities and, and yes. amplifying them for public consumption to either pity or mock or rally behind or whatever. But I mean, I can't think of anything that did it. This thing that's so much a part of our culture that did it. Before and we're the all the show. Jamie Farrs and You're the right. JP Morgans. We're the, you know, we're hitting the gongs, <laughs> right. you know, with the, the dislikes and the comments, you know, oh, man. Dan is still a diller, you know, yes. writing <laughs> yeah, a funny joke on the thing at the end. And <laughs> I, I would always remember that in the show that they would have to score them, but they would normally, normally they wouldn't do numbers. They would just right. write something pithy and funny on their little scorecard. <laughs> you know what also what blew me away too? Ancients. There was a connection and I couldn't believe this and I don't, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm making this up. Oh God. I, there was actually a connection with this movie to the Lion King because <laughs> at one what? point, his assistant, Mabel, who I believe was Steve Martin's mom in The Jerk. Yes, and, and she's she also, was the, also mom the mom on what's from What's Happening. happening. Which is oh, why he, that's he, what it he was. He walks in and says, hey, Mabel, what's happening? So his first yeah. line to her. <laughs> yes. his first line to her, I said, oh, you did not just do that. I couldn't oh place her. I'm going, where mm-hmm. do I know her from? I know she was in The Jerk, but what mama, else? What's happening? I can't breathe. I can't breathe. That's yeah. Best moment of every What's Happening exercise. And Raj was being hugged. Yes. She had a line where she goes... She said something like, yeah, he, he, you know, you do this and he's going to be, he's going to be mad as a hippopotamus with a hernia. Mm-hmm. That's a line that Zazu has. <gasps> You're kidding me. No, no. Uh, he, you know, uh, Mufasa will be as mad as a hippopotamus with a hernia. I think that's the line. Oh I think I would know this, but I don't. And now the cease and desist letter has just arrived from the <laughs> Chuck Barris estate <laughs> to the Disney Walt offices. Disney you won the contest. It sounds um, like you would give this movie a big old gong, Jason. Is Jason that what I'm O'Connor. getting? No, I would give it. I would give it five point five Sheila's. I would <gasps> give it a barely recommend because I uh, because I it was so fascinating to watch. So I would give it that much because I was like I couldn't stop watching it. He's definitely mentally ill. Absolutely. It's not just like, oh, he's a great misunderstood artist. He's fucking nuts. He thinks he's in the CIA. (laughs) Anyway, so that's my, I give it 5.5 Sheila's. Wow, that's a lot higher than I thought you were going to go. I know. I I was living in the, I was maybe thinking like a four. I don't know, but you're right. I thought you were going to be higher. I thought you were going to be higher. I thought Jason was going to be lower. I thought Jason was going to give like a two. Us, I but I don't know. Maybe I'll. Maybe yeah, I, was, I thought you're it was right. fascinating okay. to watch it. I just thought it was so interesting. <laughs> but if the, if that's the 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 you know, if we're going by those metrics, that around five is where you'd recommend to someone. Yeah, 
well, Dan had said that, and I was like, well, that makes yeah. sense. That you're just you're just anything anything over a five, you're creeping to various levels of like right. recommendation. I'm right? gonna stay at four. I'm gonna stay at four. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I was fascinated. I was drawn in. I was flirting with a seven. <laughs> but I don't think I can go that high. I think I have to go 6.5. Inside everything this movie does well or relatively well, there's something shitty, right? Why is the girlfriend not there at the end? She should have been front and center, mm. <laughs> you know, going, come back to us, you know, um, after the Lawrence of Arabia spoof and all the other things that happened in that ending. She should have been there. To have her not there is is ridiculous. When she's not available that day, she's his wife. Get her out <laughs> there. Probably the wasn't. There. That's, exa- that's probably exactly that's the reason, exactly right. the way this movie was made. Yeah. Yeah. You know what my, um, the, the strangest gong show act that I remember uh, the guy in the bear costume giving the other dude a blowjob. Was that the gong? And then Shelley Duvall was like, gong. That's right. While she was the screaming. That's right. Yeah. The, the baseball That's bat. Right. Hitting the gong. And there was that kid, that weird, creepy kid just circling around them in the tricycle the whole time. Oh, she used him to hit the gong. She picked him yeah. up. And hit the gun with the child. That I remember. And then Rip Taylor said, here's Johnny. <laughs> confetti, confetti, confetti. And took his wig off. <laughs> oh, The Shining. Meet Jack Torrance. I'm outlining a new writing project. He's a writer looking for inspiration. Lots of ideas. No good ones. Meet Danny. He's a kid looking for a dad. There's hardly anybody to play with around here. What's up, Doc? Jack just can't finish his book. I don't want to sound melodramatic, but there's no way to make it economically feasible. Here's to five miserable months. Hoping to cure his writer's block, Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, becomes the winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado. He settles in along with his wife, Wendy, played by Shelley Duvall, and his son, Danny, played by Danny Lloyd, who is plagued by psychic premonitions. As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel, transforming into a homicidal maniac hell-bent on terrorizing his family. Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of the Stephen King novel, which also stars the wonderful Scatman Crothers, earned $622,000 in its first weekend of limited release and went on to earn a worldwide total of $47 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? I was upset that Jack Nicholson didn't kill Scatman Crothers with a large salami. (laughs) (laughs) A la zapped. That was that's my his weakness, o- right? That's, that's, that's his weakness. weakness. <laughs> yeah, that was the my my only. Think you can survive this. <laughs> that's my biggest complaint of the movie. I have been in this business fifty-two years, and I sound like Bill Cosby there. I I I I, I have been in this have business, been in this business, business fifty-two years, and I I I I. I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> wow, that's the first time those words have been that uttered by it. someone other than Cosby I on this know, podcast. I know, See, God. the 50th episode is bringing magic. But he does it better. So here it is. One more time. <laughs> You've already heard it six times this episode. And now... <laughs> I have been in this business 52 years, and I will... I've never seen anything like this. So yes. Did you like the I, shiny? I have, How many um, shields? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> jumping ahead. <laughs> Let's get to the end. 
I have pretty vivid memories. Obviously, I did not see this in the theaters. Oh, I should go back and say I did see the Gong Show movie. I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it when it was on WHT. It oh, came I out thought, on WHT. Uh, I remember seeing it on cable. I thought, yeah, I thought you had said that you WHT. had uh, seen it in the theater. I was going to ask no, you. No, that would have that. been amazing. <laughs> How, that I saw that and I didn't see it. That's what I was going to say. you were talking about that before, I was, yeah. like, I was like, did your parents take you? We're a gong show movie family. <laughs> that's what we're seeing on TV. You know what they may have? Who knows? Uh, did you make you a cake shaped like a gong? They made a yeah, big gong cake, yeah. That <laughs> no, was actually in the, sh- the shape of Artie Shaw. Uh, it was great. <laughs> Anyway, The Shining. I remember my babysitter, he would let me watch a little with him. You know, I have very vivid memories of of, of just seeing these images and, and thinking, I'm not supposed to be watching this right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's evil. This movie contains yeah. evil and I'm not supposed yeah. to see it. Yeah. And then I remember reading the book as we talked last episode. I read the book in seventh grade and thinking, mm-hmm. this is not what I remember at mm-hmm. all from that movie. I mean, the oh. book is so different. So, so different. Is it? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Kate, Kate just read it last week. She just read the book and then she watched the movie <gasps> with me last night. And her hot take is the movie's much scarier than the book. That's wow. what she felt. Wow. But Interesting. I, I've never read it. I've never read it. I just know that it's wildly different. And then didn't they do an adaptation for TV with the guy with from Stephen Weber or something? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Stephen King movie. really liked it. Because I know Stephen yeah. King has always had problems with the movie. Uh-huh. I hadn't seen it in, in a long time. Man, it's it's a good flick. It's a good movie. It's 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 scary. I mean, it, it so starts. Scary. Yeah. I mean, there's just this level of tension that right from the right from the beginning, um, two interesting Blade Runner connections with this movie, and not a word from either of you oh. about it. Uh, <laughs> the shut up. Shut up your face. First of all, the the tacked on ending of Blade Runner, where where uh, in the the original version where they're escaping to the mountains, apparently Ridley Scott, you know, they the studio was like, you got to film something new, and he was like, fuck, I. I enough time to film stuff and he actually Kubrick lent him some footage from the beginning of oh, The Shining what uh, that he could use at the end yeah so the footage at the end of Blade Runner of them like escaping into the greenery that's that was just leftover footage from The Shining oh that's amazing yeah and then also um, Lloyd is played by Joe Turkle who also plays Tyrell in Blade Runner oh my god oh, yeah wow. isn't that exciting that's where insert crickets you son of a bitch I forgot that it already starts off with with the ideas of an abusive relationship. I mean, it's really, yeah. it's an abusive relationship all around. And I forgot about that. I forgot that Jack Torrance is not a great husband, that he was an alcoholic, that he did hurt Danny. You know, that they were, I, I forgot all about that in my head. It was more of like, my remembrance was more of like a Breaking Bad where it starts off as a guy who's like a really Happy loving guy. guy. Right, and, right. And then, but- He's already in a bad place mm-hmm. when it starts, which I actually think is fascinating and really, really interesting. That's a uh, desperation if, move, right? Taking a job with your, your wife and small child to go live isolated, yeah. watching a hotel for five months. Totally. You know, it, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. And that threw me off. Another thing that sort of dawned on me in this rewatch, and I know this is maybe like anathema to say, not that I didn't like Nicholson in the beginning, but it's hard. And again, this is hard. This is like the Christopher Walken syndrome, the Pacino syndrome, you know, all these, we're so used to, you know, the, how these actors present themselves. And, and, and I know Stephen King mentioned it as well, that he didn't want Nicholson 
in this role because he thought, well, he just did Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone thinks of him as like this crazy guy, you know, like Unhinged. I don't want that. I want someone who seems more stable. And I, I felt that a little in the beginning. I felt that he was already playing his hand a little too much, particularly the scene, which I remember it's a great scene where he blows up when Shelley Duvall interrupts him typing. And ding, he's like, ding, when, ding, ding, when ding, I'm ding, typing ding, ding, and he's, you and he's doing- win the contest forever and ever, Fred. Yeah, it's, that's, I thought, wait, whoa, no, this scene is later in the movie, isn't it? Wendy, <clears throat> let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. Understand? Yeah. Fine. And we're going to make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here and you hear me typing, whether you don't hear me typing, whether the fuck you hear me doing in here when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? It, it too happened it's too soon. It was, it's it too was much too, too soon. early. And I love the fact, I love, again, I forgot that this was, you know, the thing that preempts them to go. That yeah, Exactly, Jason, what you said. He's it, it's, a, it's a desperation move. Mm-hmm. I forgot the whole thing about him being an alcoholic and hurting Danny and trying to save his marriage and his, and his, his relationship. And I think that's, again, like I said, I, I don't mean to repeat myself. It's fascinating. I just wanted them to sit in that a little bit more before he starts to turn. Mm-hmm. And I think they could have, because then, then once you get the full, you know, the full Jack, the full Nicholson, it's great, but I was just sitting, and again, I couldn't tell, is this because I, we all know Jack Nicholson, we know like that's sort of his, I hate to say shtick because it's not a shtick, he's a, he's a, you know, one of the titans, but is, is it because I, I, you know, we know what he's going to do, we know, because I know the movie, <laughs> but no, it just seemed, like I said, like he was showing his hand a little too soon. That's my only complaint Yeah, I th- about the movie, and, and even, and... And Shelley Duvall, too, I feel like was just, I don't know, there was something, I wanted a little more strength from her, the character. Um, I think she actually exhibits quite a bit of strength, which I don't remember because she is so, you know, this is the first time I've seen this movie so many times. This is the first time I realized, oh, wow, he got the job to, I've got a million thoughts about this movie, but he -hmm. got the job to take care of that place. You see her taking care of it the whole time. He yeah, never does right. a single thing. He plays handball and he writes all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. He never does a single thing in that hotel for its maintenance. We see her in almost every part of the hotel, checking on things, working on things, making sure the radios were, you know, You're right. I don't know. She's in like kind of a boiler room or and I mean, she's like doing she's taking notes on like, uh, you know, like basically monitoring everything that he's supposed to be monitoring. Mm. Um, you know, there's one point he's sitting there and he's the at the bar with the ghost bartender and he's he says uh, he, he has a I guess a glass of bourbon or something. And he says, he says, white man's burden, white man's burden. This is yeah, this movie's all about? about it's this movie's all about you talk about an abusive relationship. It's about the abusive relationship between the white man and the Native American. That's what this movie is well, actually 
about. And I know okay, that's so one of the theories. Okay, so you're buying into from, the conspiracy theories about it. Yeah. I buy into it completely because it's not yeah. in the book at all. And they talk about uh, uh, built over an Indian burial ground. Indian and burial there's all ground. these yeah. Indian yeah. tapestries and all the, and yes. you see, you know, to the point, Shelley Duvall at one point is where there's appropriation going on. She's wearing like a cowboy and Indian kind of Navajo woven uh, sweater at one point. There's yeah. just so much. There's a lot been uh, written so about much. that. I think there was a documentary about that there as well. Is. Room, room 237. I, but that's, right, that's yeah, yeah. all the different fan theories and conspiracy theories about what the movie means. But that's clearly a Kubrick thing. That's clearly something Kubrick's laying in. But anyway, to, to your point about Nicholson, yes, of course, he's like so Nicholson-y in this. And it's so funny that he never did stage and kind of turns his nose up at the stage because I can't you can't think of a more theatrical film performer you know what I mean I mean the stuff he's doing is like you know it's it's so outsized all the way through Mm -hmm. but you know especially as it gets deeper into it and it's uh, you know it becomes caricature-ish but also deeply frightening and disturbing oh yeah very beginning it's like that the opening shot that the opening could not be more gorgeous how beautiful Mm -hmm. but with the music it is so deeply unsettling. If you talk about something tipping its hand, I mean, maybe that's just, that's just the whole movie. That's cute. I mean, mm. dread is there from the very first shot. There's never a second that you're not thinking, oh, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's coming. You're never like taken by surprise. Like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be a happy family in the woods <laughs> movie. And then it fucking turned. You're not supposed to. And so even every little thing with Nicholson at the beginning He's dismissive of her. He's cold to her and and the child from the very beginning in a way that suggests, like you say, that whatever's wrong with the foundation of those relationships has been wrong for a while. And, and, you know, and you look at Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson, you say like casting, you would could never see them together. Yeah, they, they never make they never make sense. But maybe that's just and maybe they were cast that way because you're supposed to, like, enter this relationship looking at two people and being like, what are they doing together? As opposed to, you know what I mean? As opposed to That's having that That's what I that kept turn. thinking. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know that that makes it strong. You may be absolutely right. It might be a better movie if it, you know, I, I think it's a great movie, but you know what I mean? I get what you're saying, that it might be more satisfying to have more of a surprise or more of a turn, but clearly that's not what, from from everything he does as a filmmaker, clearly that's not what Kubrick's interested in. It's all about the dread of what you know is coming, the bad thing you know is coming, and mm. you know the ice is going to huh. break. I did hurt him once, okay? It was an accident, completely unintentional. Could have happened to anybody, and it was three goddamn years ago. The little fucker had thrown all my papers all over the floor. All I tried to do was pull him up. A momentary loss of muscular coordination. You extra foot pounds of energy per second per second. I wonder, I feel like Wes Anderson must love this movie mm-hmm. because <laughs> yeah, with the titles. music, the title cards, the symmetry yeah. of how everything is felt. Like you got right. the twins, the pattern on the carpet, the maze, yes. uh, the elevator doors, the, the lamps in Scatman Crothers' rooms. Like yes. th- th- it's not just one door to each room, it's two doors to each room. Yeah. Everything is perfect yeah. symmetry. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's beautifully filmed. I didn't realize, I was, and I was talking to Ben about this the other day, my son, because he was asking about the movie. 
I didn't realize this is one of the first movies that used a steady cam. It's, I think, the first. I remember wow. when I read the Pauline Kale review in the early and reading about that, the use of the steady cam, that this was, it was kind of pioneered with this. I think this movie might have been. Yeah. The how first do you do one. that shot up the stairs without it? I guess, you know, unless yeah. it's on some sort of track, but you're yeah. right. I never put that together. And all the stuff with Danny on the tricycle. Yeah, you know, sound, was just- sound in this movie. I know ne- the music yes. was incredible. Maybe it's just watching it now on HD or on a, a, this, the kind of TV I'm watching it on. I was like, <laughs> I've seen this movie a million times. The sound, not just the music, but the soundscape is yeah. amazing. I always remember like this difference between the, the hot wheel on the or whatever that yeah. is the on, the, yeah. on the on the on the floor versus the carpet and that incredible sound it's so lulling and it's like soothing and also disconcerting simultaneously yeah. it's great that sound is so great but all the stuff in the soundtrack underneath the music oh it's so fucking creepy so well done but there's yeah, the yeah, one yeah. shot of just the typewriter and you're looking at it. it's the typewriter the ashtray and one or two other things on the desk and you hear this gong gong mm-hmm. And you're going, mm-hmm. what is happening? And then they he zooms out or pans back, and, you know, tracks back, and it's him throwing the ball. But mm-hmm. prior to that, it's a very supernatural kind of sound, like this almost supernatural drum beat that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay, you had this as your number one horror movie when we did our top 10 mm-hmm. horror movies. Um, this was my first time watching it start to finish ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wow. had seen pieces of this movie, bits and pieces growing up. I definitely had seen the the ending and all those iconic scenes. Here's Johnny and all of that stuff and yeah. being chased around. I, I realized watching this how little of the beginning I had seen. So this was the first start to finish. Um, I, I don't like this movie. And I, oh. I, 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 it's sort of my Blade Runner of horror movies. I'm sorry <laughs> to say that. Um, and I, I'm sorry if that, that, uh, you know, goes against your love of it, Jason. But I, I don't care. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't give a shit. You like <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. You, you, like have, no say, you have no say. <laughs> no, You're no, about no. to give this a lower Sheila than the Gong Show movie. So, oh. um, you like Firestarter more than this? I did. Oh, of course he does. Whoa. I did. That's I like Gong Show movie more than this. Look, the 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 the, <laughs> the middle um, ninety minutes of this movie, I really have no use for. I don't know why <laughs> it should be about twenty minutes. You know, it's just I don't. I love the beginning. I love how it starts with him getting the job. Them going up there is great. Him getting the job. The the sense of dread. I'm with you, Jason. And I like a slow, let's, let's, let's draw it out. You know, I like that. And it's like, let's, let's get into the mood and the slow drawn out mood. But the middle 90 minutes of it, I'm in complete agreement with you, Fred, on that scene where he's like, if you hear me fucking type in here, get the fuck out. I'm like, oh, he's crazy already. That seems a little rushed. You know, I didn't take it. I, I, I think it's a, I think it is a misstep in the movie, whether it's deliberate for Kubrick to go, they have a problem or not. You know, I, I think it's a misstep. Um, and then the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the movie is thrilling. I think this movie is about alcoholism. Um, yep. That's my biggest takeaway from it is the is the being trapped by one's own vices, by one's own addictions, by one's own, whether it's an addiction to violence or an addiction to anger or an addiction to alcohol. He, go, he you know, really starts to go cuckoo cray cray when he has the bourbon, whether he drinks that in reality or not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But. Somebody lets him out of that fucking. Somebody lets him out of that thing, out right? Of that, out of the, uh, uh, the yeah, storeroom, the storeroom where all the food is. Somebody lets physically lets him out of there, and yeah. so I can only assume that these ghosts are real and that they're actually giving him booze, and and all of that. So and communicating with him, 
Kubrick's visual style, as in all of his movies, is iconic. It is deliberate. It is, you know, everything you guys are saying, I'm listening to very carefully and going, yes, Kubrick's doing that. I remember things from 2001 and from his other films that I've seen and, and, and enjoyed to a degree. I'm never like, rah, rah, Kubrick. I'm always like... And it's a the, cold, you know, the, yeah, the middle third of this didn't work for me, but I love how it ends. I love, I actually love that it's her trying to get to Danny and him wandering around trying to get to Danny and it's Danny at the center of it. It's not him versus her at the end, end, end. That's not the climax. She's doing uh-huh. something separately from him. I actually kind of fucking love that about the movie is that, you know, and it's Danny's ingenuity that saves that's the day. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah I, the way he I like that as well. Dan. I love that. I love that. Danny. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of this movie. Maybe I need to watch it again with, with fresh eyes based on everything you guys just said. And maybe I need to do a little more reading, reading about it and the various interpretations of it, but it didn't, I don't find it scary. I was laughing most of the time at Nicholson, you know, not at Shelley Duvall. She's giving a harrowing performance. You think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? <laughs> when do you think maybe he should be taken to a doctor? As soon as possible. As soon as possible. <laughs> that ending, I was I was like, holy shit, he's gonna fucking kill <laughs> his family. I believed oh, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, a yeah. lot of that is because of Shelley Duvall. Yeah. You know, her reactions. I think she sells it incredibly In the beginning, oh, I was God. like, is this a little too much what she's doing? But then, wow, I mean, it really, and and just Nicholson too, the way he was swinging that axe and the way, and apparently yeah. they had to put like a really thick wooden door because yeah. Nicholson worked for the fire department or something. Or like, <laughs> For goodness sake. It, it, it was like, it was too easy. Yeah. So yeah. Oh. as he takes each swing of the axe, the camera it's is going back moving and forth. back and forth, tracking back and forth. Yes. With his, mm-hmm. Each swing you feel and then the slamming weight of it. Yes. You yes. feel right. the weight of the axe and it really hit me. This is going to happen. He's going to, like, I yeah. know it's not going to happen, but just <laughs> the fear was real, I thought. And so I thought in, in, in that sense, it was a triumph because I really bought it. And at the end, I mean, I'm sure there are people who find, you know, him going through the, you know, making those like guttural noises I in know. the maze too much. I was, I thought it was really terrifying on this rewatch. I mean, I, I really like the ending of that picture, and I and I like and apparently there was another ending filmed where it took place in the hospital, oh. and the guy in the beginning who gives him the job mm-hmm. shows up. He's there, and there's sort of an idea that he's a ghost. There, there was some oh. little twist. Oh, that that guy's a ghost. Oh, yeah, that he would, that okay. was all part of it. I, I can't remember. I was reading about it last night, Recruiting. and it's the only time that huh. that. They did it, and Kubrick at the last second was like, "No, get it out!" And he pulled it. He pulled. He literally like it was in the theaters. It was about ah, to go, wow. and he had it taken. That scene taken out. Oh my god! And I, I really, and I know Kubrick's been on record about saying, "People be like, what's it about?" He's like, "I don't know. You tell me." And his big thing is, it's a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Crazy shit happens in ghost stories. You mm-hmm. can't explain things in ghost stories. And I like that. I like that. It's very nebulous at the end and you know i've read things people are like oh was he sucked back in you know he died and he was pulled back into the hotel or was he always there like it doesn't make sense you can't uh-huh. you can't look at a timeline and say oh well he was here and then he can't it, 
And I like that. Yeah. I like that there's this weird idea that he was always there. But what does that mean? I don't fucking know, but it's terrifying. The idea that this yeah. spirit, or maybe it wasn't always him. Maybe it's just the spirit of madness and anger and rage that is just always there. Uh, my predecessor in this job hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. And he came up here with his wife and two little girls, I think about eight and ten. But at some point... During the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, <laughs> killed his family with an axe. Stacked them neatly in one of the rooms of the West Wing, and uh, then he, uh, he put uh, both barrels of a shotgun in his mouth. Police, uh, they thought that it was what the old-timers used to call cabin fever. It's kind of great that like just sitting at that table and you feel like you're being interviewed by him. That's also the way it's filmed. Yes, too. It's like you're right, you're right yeah, sitting you're in, in front it. of the guy. There's his little name placard on the desk. And he's like, well, let me tell you a little bit about what the job is that you'll be doing. It feels like he's telling you. It's, it's a lot yeah. like the stuff we yeah. were saying about Silence of the Lambs, where it's like Jodie Foster's perspective. In that scene, it feels like you're there sitting and the other chair in the interview, like, do I want to do this job? And he's like, and he's real nice. And he has a real nice, easy way about him. And he's like, you know, some people don't really, you know, they get a little spooked. But yeah, a guy killed and where you almost feel like, well, if I say no, you know, if I say that bothers me, you almost see it in Nicholson where he's like, the right answer here is to say, of course, that'll be fine. Of course, <laughs> yes. my kid will love being here for five months with no other children. Of course, it's OK, <sighs> because I need the job so desperately. It's interesting to put that there and be like, does it bother you if I say there are you know, there, dead bodies were stacked in that room over there? No, because you need this job. You need maybe yeah. there is something mm -hmm. spiritual and devil like about about uh, that character because it is like yeah. all the things that should make him be like ah, maybe I'll maybe I'll substitute teach back in California. <laughs> I won't do this this winter. The site is supposed to be located on an Indian burial ground, and I believe they actually had to repel a few Indian attacks as they were building it. Yes, the photo at the end where Nicholson's in that photo, that party. It's not a New Year's Eve party. I always thought it was New Year's Eve party. It's July Fourth, Fourth of July yeah. party. Every yeah. everything that Danny wears in the movie is red, white, and blue, and most of what Shelley Duvall wears is red, white, and blue. Wow. Yes. Most of the movie, he only wears red, white, and blue, and the only time he wears something, he and when he wears something that's well, it's, it's always red, white, and blue. But if it has any writing or anything, it's always American iconography. It's Mickey Mouse. It's uh, the Apollo. Uh, it's the Apollo. Uh, that's that's uh, another conspiracy theory that that uh, that Kubrick faked that he was the one who filmed the moon oh, landing, right, the faked right, moon right, landing. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, no, but I just thought it was about USA, USA. I thought it was like yeah, here's you're right. the, the American. It's so funny. Everything around there, all the design is Navajo, yeah. and it's all it's all yeah, a right. Native American design. Like so, it's total appropriation, totally co-opted. We built it on their burial ground. We fucking killed them when they came to take it back. And then we used all there. <laughs> we, the, food, we the food cans in the freezer. They have it's a calumet or calumet or something. Mm -hmm. it's, it's got a it's got like the Apache headdress, like the the profile yes, there. Yes, so you yes, put them in the freezer. Yeah. It's so funny because I remember Mike huh. Polovsky telling me about this theory years ago. Wow. I think he watched a documentary. I'm like, that's crazy that's cuckoo but you watch it now and it it, it makes sense it's just all I mean, over you, it now yeah. whether it's whether he, whether kubrick like you say is just trolling us and he's like what do you think <laughs> it's about is it about alcoholism is it about abusive relationships is right. it about american exceptionalism is it about this is it about that imperialism, or is it just yeah. a fucking ghost story yeah right. imperialism or yeah. is it just a ghost story where yeah. where you ne you're never going to have a logical answer yes there's only three people there but 
somehow he gets drunk. Somehow that door opens and yeah, he's let out. Right. So you got to believe in ghosts, whether you yeah. want to or not. Yeah. Which I think, <laughs> I, I love yeah. that too. I love that you don't see the door being opened. I love that he's just out. Yeah. He just like, how the out. fuck did yeah. he get out? I really you like that. It, right? You hear, hear it. it. Yeah. So you hear it. Yeah. So the, the, the last, you know, the last quarter of the movie is really, uh, like I said before, that's really where I, I, it hits its stride. I and agree. I think it gets really scary and, and it's, it's effective by the end. It's, 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 it's won me over. It's won me over. I, I I'm with you, Jason. I, I like it start to finish. I, I see what you're saying though, Dan, you know, and I can understand why. And I think that's also just a project of Kubrick. You either love him or you're, yeah. you know, hot and cold on him. It's better know? than eyes wide shut. Let's put it there. Let's say that <laughs> right away. How many, how many Sheila's for this shot? <laughs> I'm going to give this a nine. I'm, yeah, you know, I was going to give it an eight and I just, I I was about to say eight and I opened my mouth and the the number nine came up. Wow. Good for you. Came up and out. Up and out. I vomited out. And you're a 10, Jason. I'm a 10. I'm a 10 on it. You're you're a solid 10. Well, hearing you guys talk about it and really thinking more about what Kubrick is doing and, you know, I, I need to watch it again and I need to sort of, not that it's like, you know, Hey, sit up and take notice. Everything you guys are saying, I'm like, yeah, I, th- I I thought that too. And that very strange scene, you know, with the with the old uh, British butler waiter, whatever he is, who turns out to mm-hmm. be the guy who murdered his family, you know, and the 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 N word is dropped in the middle of that scene. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now I'm thinking about, oh, hang on, when you do see Scatman Crothers' place in Miami, there's all this African. Uh, iconography yeah. and everything yep. and these yep. beautiful African women on his wall and everything. And it's, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. This movie is doing something else. I don't know what quite what it is, but it is doing something else. So I'm going to go instead of like, I was in a four range, but I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a five right now. I'm a five wow, okay. after hearing you guys talk about it. And maybe if I watch it again, I'll get up to a six or something. I just, I, 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 I it's not, you know, Horror movies got to tick a few boxes. Got to be scary. This isn't to me. And B, it's got to be. You know, it's got to move after the mood is established, and it and it and it, I, I'll let him. I'll let a movie like Alien or The Thing establish mood till the cows come home before shit hits the fan. But this movie, the middle, the middle third of it, I can't. I'm just not on board with the style and the mood of it. I I can't. It's not scary to me. It's just like most of it's watching a kid in a big wheel. So um, mm. I'm at a five. You son of a bitch. What? Uh, uh, we uh. got a lot of uh, responses uh, to our, our little what's your favorite sports movie. Yeah, it was so query cool. On the, uh, the online social medias. Mm-hmm. People like the uh, Bull Durham. People enjoy the Bull, the Bull Durham. Durham. Yeah, Which yeah, didn't yeah. make any of our lists ultimately, but you talked about it. Yeah. I, ta- I snuck it on there, yeah, because I feel like you can't. You can't talk about sports movies without at least mentioning that. I have been to a Durham Bulls game at that stadium in Durham, in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. And when you know when a when a home run is hit or or somebody hits the the bull or whatever, it goes on and the smoke comes out and the eyes turn red and the head moves. Wow. Like it's really it's exactly like it was in the movie. I, and I had oh, a, and cool. I got a Durham Bulls hat, which then later I threw up in and had to throw away. Wow. Jesus. Because while, while you were watching the movie? No, it was because <laughs> I, had, um, 
I had had some bad food from a buffet. Oh, God. Oh, okay. And by a buffet, I mean an alcohol buffet, which is known as a bar. (laughs) Gotcha. All right. A lot of people mention this movie Miracle with Kurt yeah, Russell. I haven't seen I'm dying to. It's about the yeah. 1980 uh, uh, team, right? The, yeah. The yeah, yeah. I keep I meaning I to like watch that. it as well. Oh, and you know something that I realized, Dan? I can't believe I missed this when we were talking about it. Good. Your number two was Raging Bull. Yes. Your number one was Caddyshack. I have said often, and I even said it on the Caddyshack episode, that the two greatest performances of the 1980s (laughs) were Robert De Niro and Raging Bull, Ted Ted Knight and Caddyshack. Yes, in that order. Number two is Robert De Niro. Number one is Ted Knight. (laughs) Absolutely. Both 1980. Both that is correct. Both 1980, this year that we're talking about, right? And, and, and whenever people rank the greatest movies of the 1980s or the 1990s, the top movie mm-hmm. in both decades is Scorsese, and they're both yep. from the first year of the decade. So, yes, at Raging Bull, Goodfellas, at Raging Bull, 1980, and Goodfellas, 1990. And, and both movies, movies both years are up for Best Picture, and they both lost out to first time directors who were actors, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, wait, Rachel Bull lost out to ordinary say, people. And he dances fucking with wolves. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Dances with Wolves is good, though. I like Dances yeah, with Wolves. Yeah, but Goodfellas is a far amazing. superior film. Yeah. Dances with Wolves, I haven't I saw That's it when true. it first opened. I liked it. I haven't seen it since. Yeah. Goodfellas, I could literally watch on a loop every day of my life for the correct. rest of my life. That is correct. Yep. No, Goodfellas is my second favorite movie of all time under Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but fantastic. wait, what did Raging Bull lose to? Ordinary People? Ordinary, Ordinary People. people. And who I was the first love. time director of that? Redford. Robert Redford. Oh, it's Redford, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, that was his first film. Oh, wow. Yeah, I believe wow. so. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, Fred said it, so it must have been, it must have yeah. been his first film. I think. Just, I, I, think know. I think you're sure. right. I Let's go with right. that. Let's go with that. Uh, sounds better. What else? Symmetry. I, it's like that Kubrick symmetry. That's right. <laughs> what else did people advocate for on the sports list? Oh, God, we got, you know, Bad News Bears. Yes. We got uh, Field of Dreams. We got Hoosiers. We got Jim Cotta. I think that might have been a joke. Um, <laughs> Jim Cotta. Let's see. Oh, another movie which I've never mm. seen, The Cutting Edge, which I'm assuming is about ice skating. I think yes, that's an ice skating is. movie, yes. Uh, Breaking Away, it. a few people mentioned. Yeah, a League of Their mm-hmm. Own. Uh, let's see. Did anyone mention Personal Best? Nope. Oh, you know what? My friend Ben mentioned uh, The Hustler and the Color of Money. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess those so, are I kind of thought that was going to end so. up on somebody's list. Yeah. Nobody uh, for Angels in the see. Outfield? Nobody. Oh, my family no. loved that movie. My wife loves it. My, my, wife my loves grandfather it. and my uncle loved that movie. Oh, loved it. And my movie. grandmother now, too, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, mm-hmm. I always liked it. Thank my God. list was like going to be, I was like, I went, I did a little research. I was like, okay. Five Airbud movies, five <laughs> slots on the list, and I was going to call it a day. And then I thought, mm, some people are going to be. Yeah, it should be humans playing the sports. But there are there are five separate movies with the words Airbud in the title. Oh, playing different sports, and that could have really just. Uh, I'm surprised there's not more love for those. I think that's um, going to be our next list: is is rank your five, rank the five Airbud movies. <laughs> Just, <laughs> we'll see which one of us Rank comes them again up with, and again. Yeah, um, there, but I had a few mail sack things. Uh, Ooh, uh, well. What? Uh, yes, there was uh, a, a young woman named Zoe who I do not know. I don't think any of us oh, knows her. I uh, just know. a random new listener. 
Oh, uh, wrote in regarding the Spider-Man uh, trilogy podcast, saying how much she loves the show and wanting to know if we could have any superpower, if the three of us could have <gasps> any superpower, what would it be? Uh, I want the power of Scott Bayo and Zapped. Oh, come on. Really? To, you would waste it on that? For the boom? No. <laughs> But that is the funny answer when this is a podcast yes. that should be interesting and amusing. So, bravo. That's a good answer. Should you know. be is a good way of putting it. I think I'd like, it would be cool to be able to um, just, you know, blink and show up in different places. What's that called? Teleporting. Teleport. Teleport. Teleporting. Well, that's good. That would be, that would just make things easy. This way, I don't have to, the the commute gets me down. Right, you know, and I just, getting I gotta, on you planes, to, you, waiting to be in line to get on a plane. Yeah, you know, you need eggs. I don't want to have to like fight with my kids. <laughs> Go to the store and get eggs. Now I gotta drive, but like I can teleport. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but actually, I think that would be a pretty cool. That'd be a pretty cool superpower. And get eggs because you're a you live in pioneer times. <laughs> my, my, you can order food. Mine's boring. Oh, mine would be uh, mine would be uh, invulnerability, super strength. Not, you, you, you can't get hurt, can't get killed. Oh, you know, yeah. like that, oh, that wow. would be. I mean, to me, that seems it seems like that That's and flying are the obvious ones. And a lot of people say invisibility too. I guess when you ask people, Ooh, but and wow. I would love to, flying. I used to have dreams about flying, like crazy, yeah, amazing cool. dreams about flying. So to experience that would be pretty amazing. But like in, at the end of the day. You know, trying to think sensibly. I want to, <laughs> I want to not get killed by anything. I want to be so so strong and vulnerable that uh, nothing can hurt me. And uh, now back to my therapist. This <laughs> <laughs> Dan already has a superpower. Go with ahead, the hand farting. It? Oh yes, I have that. I would be the best at that. You know, this is so fascinating psychologically. You would go anywhere. You would be invulnerable to pain. And now I feel like I have to have a psychological component to mine <laughs> and it would probably be like, you know, I don't know, making everyone love me or something like that. Like, is that a <laughs> superpower? superpower? Just yeah, like that's a, you, my, it's a Jedi mind trick or something. It's mind manipulation. Yeah. Right? Oh, OK. So I would have this. OK, so I would have the superpower of uh, David uh, Keith of David from Keith from Firestarter. <laughs> Except with twice as many nosebleeds. <laughs> <laughs> no, what can uh, Phoenix do? What What is her thing, Phoenix? Yes, the same thing as, as Professor X. She can control people with Get their inside minds. inside people's minds. Yeah. And- I think that's what I would do. Mm. That's fucked up, though. Come on. That's yeah. so fucked up. It's an invasion. It's an invasion. <laughs> and I'm not saying read minds, because I think that would be torture. But uh-huh. I'm saying, like... Makes singing a song about reading minds that's torture <gasps> flying in the air and doing like well, a, a wondering poem. if somebody had the ability as one of their many superpowers that's yeah, interesting that's, that's literally what she's asking like you can do a lot of things can you read can you, you see what color my underwear work can you read my I was just gonna mind? Say, you see what color my panties are unless i'm behind lead should i encase my can head you in hear lead? this interminable song that i'm speak singing to you can you hear this no interminable good song thank I'm god because it's terrible um Actually, our guest, Kevin Shinnick, sent me a very, a very kind, generous gift. He found and sent me the the Spider-Man record, Peter Pan record of the of the man wolf story that I said frightened the hell out of me when I was oh like five yes. years old. He found that on like eBay or something and he 
got it for me and sent it to me as a, a I mean, he, he was th- thanking all of us, but because that thing, like he saw my eyes light up and freak yeah. out when I said he was, he found it and he was like, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm getting wow. it. And then I found that picture of it. Remember? And I sent it to you guys. I was like, this yeah. is it. This was the mm-hmm. book that I had. And I sent it to him too saying, here it is. And he was like, uh, uh, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but don't, if you, if you're seeing that on a website where you can buy, don't buy it. Cause it's on its way to you. Oh. I sent it to you. Um, but I looked, I looked at it and I held it and I opened it up and I got fucking chills again. Like the, I'm, I can, I haven't played the record cause I don't have anything that will play a 45 <laughs> oh, from 1972, but, uh, I had the same shudder that I had when I was wow. like four years old. It That's is scary, awesome. scary shit. But so See, Kevin here's Schinnick the thing we were saying like what a great guy Kevin Shinnick is and how ingratiating he is and how wonderful he's as the host, we should be getting our guests gifts. Our guests are sending us gifts. Although we haven't received anything from Jeff Rodkey yet. That's have right. we? Jeff. David. Oh, I got a job. Where you, oh, David Skoff, nothing. nothing. Peter Burkrot. Peter Burkrot. Uh, he no, he sent my my brother in law a very nice uh, note oh. when I bought um, oh, I bought my right. brother in law the Night Riders shirt from Caddyshack for his birthday last nice. year. Uh, that's awesome. Peter sent an email. He wrote I'm email kidding, by the way. Guess we should be getting. <laughs> we, you should not be we sending should be us stuff. stuff. We, we should, should be getting, getting you. Swag. We should be getting swag. Uh, Sayer of the Floss sent me a staff a few weeks ago, <laughs> like a giant staff. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. But he was very appreciative. Uh, he sent me a staff infection. But you know, <laughs> the thing about podcasting. No, uh, and then one last uh, mail sack thing. Uh, uh, longtime listener Vinny Penna, who is now caught up on uh, a good friend of mine and Fred's, who yes. is caught up on all the episodes now. He wrote me. Last wow, he's caught up. He's caught he up. was saying early on, he's like, I don't do podcasts. I, I don't like podcasts. He started with the superhero episode and then he was like, oh, it's really good. And then he went back and he, I think oh. he's, I think he's now listened to all of them, but he's all, he's the he, one yeah, who's he's all listened to them up. all. He's all caught up. No. That warms my heart. Six no, you know what? Have. I know, I know a few people <laughs> who've too. done that. My friend Rosie as well. Oh, nice. Who'd be thrilled that I just mentioned your name, but I feel like I'm hearing more and more people who have dipped in yeah. and then they're like oh let me go back and they've been going through them all how nice is, yeah no he's like all, great. he's all caught up and he he really really loves it but his question which i thought was a good one for the 50th episode because i don't know if we've ever spoken this out loud was he said what is how do the how do the weeks get picked how do the movies get picked what's the criteria what's the what's the thought process because he says you know there's some fucked up combinations of movies and <laughs> and you know like where you know how you guys jump around on the calendar and stuff and he said can you speak to that like what's the thought process and you know it it's the file just to explain when this the idea for this podcast a year ago came up and I thought it would be fun for us to go back and look at different opening weekends. It wasn't just to talk about a movie, but to talk about the the, the, the exact time the movie came out. And mm-hmm. most time, most weekends, multiple things come out. So when I'm doing the search, when I put together the schedule, first of all, I think about like always jumping around, always moving. I don't want to yes. do like 1983, 84, 85, 86 in order. I didn't want it to have that kind of um predictability to it. I wanted it to jump around between decades and between years, but I thought it would be fun to always have the weekend correspond with whatever weekend we were currently in. So if it's middle of May, it's going to be stuff that opened middle of May. So that was one benchmark. And then the other thing was just, just find fun, interesting combinations. Sometimes there's a movie you'd love to talk about, but it opened opposite 
either opposite nothing else. And then you're like, all right, are we just going to talk about this one film for an hour and a half? Uh, unless I could find a way to tie it into something like a top 10 list or something like that. Then oh. that's what we did with Halloween. And we did the same thing with Superman. Yeah. That was the only release of that weekend. But we did the superhero episode. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Fletch, Chevy Chase and Fletch from 1985. Nothing else major open that weekend. But since he's since that movie is all about the performance he gives, whether you like it or not, uh, we're going to do a top 10 list on our favorite comedic performances on film. Um, so that's part of the criteria. And then when it comes to finding weekends with multiple things, it's always just like, well, what's a fun combination? What You know, it's always interesting when you find something like this week where you're like, wow, Empire Strikes Back and The Shining open the same weekend. Those are, you know, major, major films. We had that in our third episode with Gremlins and Ghostbusters. It's always amazing that those two movies came out on the exact same day in 1984. Yeah. It's always nice when you can find Three. There was a couple of weeks where we tried to do four movies at one time, and we found that that was just a little too much. It was a little yeah. overstuffed. So then we said, "Let's if a if a weekend has over three movies, let's just kind of find the three that seem like they'll be the most fun to talk about in uh, in relation to each other." And and that's it. That's the that's the process basically. Um, so thanks for asking, Vinny. And uh, yeah, yeah. Jason sent us emails for for both seasons, I guess, for the first, you know, mm -hmm. for, for, you know, last year and, and 2021 through 2022 of just where you went through and you, you have it all plotted out <laughs> yeah. and things have changed here and there. Yeah. Every once in a while, like when we, uh, when we got the opportunity to talk with Jeff Rodkey, we, we switched things up and we went to yeah. that weekend in 2006. And, and I think when we did weird science, that was also, you had, you had, asked about that and i don't know if somebody had asked you if you were going to talk about weird science or I think something that was damon damon was yeah. like fyi fright night and weird science yeah. opened on the same day was i was like great, holy shit great yeah combination. and so That's something great. else got moved around to make that work and then the most fun part of the show now has been like kind of trying to remember where we were and what we were doing and uh and and since we've revisited so many of the years more than once you know some things like 1985 i mean you know we're re revisiting them all multiple times, but you're trying to find where exactly you were, what thing was happening in school or what was the thing you were obsessed mm. with on TV at a certain age. And it's really fun to learn more about you guys too, through the, <laughs> through the process. That's something we haven't, yeah, that, 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 that's interesting. What you just said is I've learned so much about you guys, you know, things I didn't want to know, things <laughs> I'm disgusted by, <laughs> things I'm disturbed by. <laughs> Because we've been friends for a long time, but yeah. every week there's something where it's like, I didn't know that about Jason. I didn't know that about Fred. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You yeah. know, and deepening our friendship and our relationship. Gene Shallot nice. wanted to mention your Thanksgiving pants in the opening uh, <laughs> song, but it didn't, it didn't wind it up in. happening. He just couldn't, couldn't work it in. This he was time. tired. He was tired. Yeah. He couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I feel He's, like this podcast has, has made our friendship strong enough to tear the arms off a of gun dark. <gasps> I love you scruffy nerf herders. Aww. Well, whenever you. So much. I, I love when you take your shirt off, Fred, because then I can say, laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's where you went. I was like, I got to think of a way to say laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> and sometimes when we're spooning, Jason, you and I, mm -hmm. and I roll over and I go, oh, I thought these things smelled bad. <laughs> Outside. Yeah, and you're back there rustling around, and I'm like, do or do not. There is no try. 
wrestling around. <laughs> hey, everybody, the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Han and the Princess's story didn't end with the destruction of the Death Star. It continues in The Empire Strikes Back. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga. An epic of alien worlds. And the climactic clash between good and evil. The adventure continues in this first sequel to 1977 Star Wars, later dubbed Episode 5 by creator George Lucas, Luke Skywalker, played by Mark Hamill, Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford, Princess Leia, played by Carrie Fisher, and Chewbacca, played by Peter Mayhew, face an attack from Imperial forces while stationed on the ice planet Hoth. While Han and Leia escape in the Millennium Falcon, Luke travels to Dagobah in search of a Jedi Master named Yoda, played by Frank Oz in yet another brilliant puppeteering performance. Luke will need Yoda's help to survive when the dark side of the Force beckons him into the ultimate duel with Darth Vader, played by David Prowse and James Earl Jones. Also starring the great Billy Dee Williams as the roguish Lando Calrissian, Empire was directed with supreme taste and confidence by Irvin Kirshner and earned $4.9 million on its opening weekend. That seems low. En route to a $292.8 million domestic total and a worldwide haul of $538.3 million. Fred and Dan, I can't imagine what you guys think of The Empire Strikes Back. Well, if there's a, you know, if there's a low point in the week's movies, it's this. No, I'm kidding. The, I, I can't, I can't recall a moment in life where, where in, in my life as a child, where there was more anticipation for something and just more longing and more waiting mm-hmm. and more just, you know. Losing your virginity? Yeah. <laughs> More, uh, th- th- that was a close. All right, well, that was first. This was a close <laughs> second. No, that but the you just the fir- that first movie and just waiting between because it was seventy seven, right? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. was the longest three years of our lives from <laughs> from the time you know that came out to to this, and over that time, I'm also learning and appreciating kind of what Star Wars was and is and the significance of it because as a as a soon to be four year old when star wars came out you know you you don't you you see it you're aware of it you see it again later you know you see it on the re-releases and maybe Mm -hmm. you know on television and this holiday special and it's around and it's ubiquitous but you don't you you know you as a six-year-old going on seven waiting for this one is really where you hook into the world the mythology and the anticipation and the waiting, the waiting, the waiting. So, uh, but there was, there's nothing like it. And I don't know that there's anything like it today. Maybe the Marvel mm-hmm. movies come closest. It's like, okay, we can't wait for the next one and the next one. But there have been so many of them now. But this was the first, I mean, you you kind of intimated it before. This was the, this was the movie that kind of invented why we, why sequels happen 
and what is the point of them and why is it profitable? Um, my biggest takeaway from, from this rewatch and like you guys, I've seen this movie many, many times. This was the, I watched it on Disney plus. So it is the current most special specialist edition, um, Mm -hmm. uh, which with whatever new fucking around with it has been done. But I feel like it's less, I feel like it's minimal compared to to me. It's very telling. Yep. That's yeah. very telling. This is the movie where they where they really did the least, the least. amount of futzing because I think they yes. realized there's there's really not much to fix. It's pretty goddamn yep. perfect as is. And why futz around? I feel like there's some Millennium Falcon shots where I was like, okay, that looks CGI'd maybe or things like that. But there's really not that much. Um, they changed the Emperor scene. That's it. They put in Ian McDiarmid. Yeah. Yes, of course, of sure. course they did. Which I which feel, I don't like. I like the original. No, I, better, yeah, actually. I feel bad yeah, for that know, actor. It's like that actor's performance is lost to the ages now. Yeah. Why would you do that? It's like putting in fucking asshole uh, I'm going to find my mother that guy for fucking the old man in the end of Return of the Jedi but neither here nor there the the, you know what I was looking at specifically in this rewatch was how to me does it feel different from Star Wars because you know and I didn't watch them back to back um, and I don't know that I've ever watched them back to back just gone Mm. Star Wars then right into Empire but I maybe should have done for this episode but you have a different director obviously george lucas on the first one Irvin kirshner who was his film professor yeah. <laughs> on the second one he hired his own film professor oh, um, i didn't know that uh <laughs> yeah from uh, uh uca usc right usc film school i think, I think so. if i'm not I mistaken imagine. but different cinematographer um yeah. gilbert taylor on the first one peter sushitsky on this one and what i noticed about the way this movie is shot is that with the exception of the asteroid sequence to me it seems like more of a static camera it is sitting and waiting hmm. the camera is letting stuff come to it it's not moving around as much as it does in star wars there's no big space battle in this there is the there is the um you know the 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 asteroid sequence but it That's seems like in this we get we get some we get some some tracking stuff toward and away from action like Luke wandering through the through the snow and stuff, um, you know. And obviously, there's great kinetic energy in the whole AT-AT sequence, right? There, that is that's just incredible. But there's more. Just we're going to sit in this. We're going to sit in Dagobah for a while. We're going to sit in the Millennium Falcon for long stretches. We're going to sit in the base, you know. I love the general in this, General Rikon. He's yeah. fucking terrific. I never appreciated his performance before. He's excellent in it. Like he, he is giving you the whole story of Rebels versus Empire. No sign of life out there, General. Sensors are in place. You'll know if anything comes around. Commander Skywalker reported in yet? No, he's checking out a meteorite that hit there. With all the meteor activity in this system, it's going to be difficult to spot approaching ships. General, I got to leave. I can't stay anymore. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, there's a price on my head. If I don't pay off Jabba the Hutt, I'm a dead man. A death march not an easy thing to live with. You're a good fighter, Solo. I hate to lose you. For, I, I think this is the best Star Wars movie Agreed. there is, and I'll fight you on it. No. Now, a lot of that, I understand, comes from nostalgia. And, and I think, you know, so much of our love for this movie, I think it still holds up. But like I was watching well. it the other night mm-hmm. with Kate and she was like, okay. And she took off. She wasn't into it. <gasps> oh, wow. What? She liked it, but she's not. But I, I think a lot of it comes from our feelings of exactly what you said, Dan, just being the right age, being at the right place yeah. 
for this movie. And again, that, that mind blowing experience of wait, what this universe that we discovered and love so much now it's being expanded in a different way. And it's not exactly the same. So we were able to go along and take that journey. And, but I, but you know, as we found with this podcast, some things that we have that nostalgia for don't necessarily hold up, but we still, there's still a warm place in our heart. This one, I, I think it, it really does. And now like, this is the trope of so many sequels, you know, and they call it like, oh, well this, the second one's more like the empire strikes back where things take a darker turn Mm -hmm. and the heroes are on the run. Everyone's underfoot. The millennium Falcon is not working. Yeah. Right. So they, they just have to sit (laughs) and try to fix it. And, you know, he's Luke is just learning now. This is boring. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in the swamp learning. You know, things right. are taking a little more time. And as I said in the beginning, the even the way it's lit, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about uh, shadows and light last week. Yeah, with natural. Uh, with the natural and the lighting, especially like those scenes with the general and, and the Hoth base inside. So it. much stuff is, is, is in, in shadow. And then certain things like the screens are lit up. Like it's beautifully shot. And I love the color scheme. I love there. There's like a, a blueness, like a blue hue yes. to the whole film. My favorite shot. And I was watching it with Ben after Kent, after Kate left, Ben came down <laughs> to watch it with me. That shot where Luke and Darth light up their sabers and they're on those steps yeah. in the, in the, the, uh, the carbon freezing chamber. That's, I said, this is my favorite image or shot in any star Wars movie. Oh, it's great. those colors, that blue and red with the black silhouettes. To me, that's star Wars. Yes. That is, if I were to just take any moment from any star Wars movie <laughs> or really any movie, <laughs> it's just that image. Yeah, it's I like, this is it. movies. This right here yes. is what yeah. movies are. those things that I never, I couldn't wrap my head around. I couldn't imagine that Darth Vader's walking through the doors of the rebel base. Like he's lit. He's just a few feet behind Han Solo. And then Han Solo opens the door and Darth Vader's there. Han Solo and Darth Vader are not supposed to be in the same base together, let alone a dining room on Bespin that I just couldn't believe it. I, I, I've never seen anything like this. I'm going through my timeline. And it blows my mind that I didn't see this movie the minute it opened, you know, because I was so excited. But I don't but I don't think I did. Now, I might have seen it. My birthday, my birthday is July 31st. And I, we had the birthday party then with the cake. Take note, listeners. Take note. July 31st. He does accept. This gifts. is when you send gifts. So <laughs> I may have seen it. I know I saw it again in Montauk because I remember seeing it in a theater there and the, the projector broke down during one of the Yoda scenes. Uh, I remember that. No. So maybe I saw that before what? my birthday, but I, I'm starting to think that maybe the first time I saw it was on my birthday or there and, you know, around that time. Mm. Maybe I, my birthday was a little earlier. I don't know. You had the birthday party a little earlier, but the fact that I went that whole time 
And I was still surprised. I didn't know that Darth Vader was going to say, no, I'm your father. You know, we didn't have, there weren't things I could spoil it for you then. You know, it's it's amazing to me that I could go all that time (laughs) and not know that. It's amazing that Um, other kids didn't spoil it for you, that they had that self-control to be like, I can't tell him this. He's got to explain it for himself. I remember the conversations the next day. I remember being in my driveway playing highlight. We had these plastic highlight (laughs) things. We were playing highlight against my garage door. Was me, Chris Marin, Cl- uh, uh, Clifford Schleifer, might have been Josh, and just like, what do you think? It, it, was he telling the truth? And I remember Cliff yeah. Schleifer being like, well, remember in the first one, when he asked what mm-hmm. happened to my father, Obi-Wan has this weird look. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, it was the beginning of like fan theories. You know, that you're talking about the the reveal. I said the most beautiful thing, it's an interview with George Lucas, who catches a lot of flack for a lot of things, but... I'm sure you guys have seen this, too, where somebody said, you know, this movie's for children. Do you, did you consider the the psychological implications of having the villain turn out to be his father? And would it be a, too upsetting for kids? And it was like they did. They talked to child psychologists about it. And he was like, I figured it was OK, because what I was told is the kids who can handle it will be fine. And the kids who can't handle it will just think it's a lie. They'll just say it can't be true. It wow. can't be true. Wow. And now when they're a few years later, they're older, they'll find out what the next step is. But, you know, you don't know if he's telling the truth, but you're going to have some kids. Kids are going to question, right? Everybody's going to question. Adults yeah. are going to question. Was that real? Was that not? But it was wow. all about like, would it fuck kids up or, or scare them too much or <laughs> give them too many nightmares or give them too many complicated feelings about And, he's, and they were like, no, the, the child's brain has a way of just saying, like, if it's too much for them, they'll be like, that's just not true. I thought he that was, was really interesting. Interestingly, he was asked the same question about Jar Jar Binks, and his response was, <laughs> I like money. Count me out of this one. Better dead here than dead in the core. Ye gods! What does Misa say? What is your major malfunction, num nuts? What I want to say is, you know, I kind of have the opposite feeling. You know, when you talk about how much you love the movie, both of you, and you say how much is tied to nostalgia, opposite for me. And I think I said this in the in the first episode, what do you, mean? you know, as a kid, because this is the darker episode, because this ends on like this dangling participle of an ending or whatever, <laughs> you know, that it doesn't have the satisfaction, the childlike satisfaction of the simplicity of Star Wars or Jedi. Mm-hmm. And those are both more simplistic movies. And I think, you know, someday, someday maybe we'll talk about Jedi more, but I think that's a... I think that's a pretty wet fart of a movie in a lot of ways. I think it just, I think what, what I think the ways in which this movie ups the ante and the step forward it makes, I don't think, you know, Dan, you said, I don't know if there's anything like it. I think you're right. I don't think there's really anything like it. The closest thing I can think of is the, is the step that the dark Knight takes above Batman begins, but Batman mm. begins is a pretty mature movie for that kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. especially compared to the older Batman movies. So that's not, it's not even that big a leap. to me, this one, I didn't have a real appreciation for empire strikes back, a true appreciation or the kind of appreciation I have now until I was pretty much an adult. I mean, I always hmm. liked it as a kid, but it was always the linking episode. It was the darker, slower one. It yeah. was it huh. was a little more because it's more complex and because it's kind of a little more a little more demanding. And it's not it's not that it's not as exciting, but it is it does take its time more. It is it is grappling with themes on a more mature level than 
than Star Wars or Jedi seem to, to my mind. And I still kind of feel that way about it. But now I appreciate that. And as a little kid, it's not that it left me cold, but it just I didn't I have found it completely intriguing, fascinating. Like I thought the design was brilliant and, and I, I loved all the different places it went in terms of the locations. And like we said, the costumes, yeah. like seeing seeing the characters that they didn't repeat themselves, that it wasn't like Princess Leia has these buns. Han Solo has that vest, you know, like <laughs> Luke Skywalker these has his buns. tunic, you know, like, you know, the, the fact that they were like saying time has moved forward. They're in a mm-hmm. different place. They're in different points in their lives, different points in his training. What it, mm-hmm. Fast. I was fascinated by it, but I was also honestly probably a little scared of it, too. I was like, yeah. two, two movies open the same day that are in the cold and a little dark, and snowy yeah. and, and scary. And <laughs> with, right. with real threat and malice, uh, you know, I, 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 I remember Gacho kind of movie and this. Oh, you're too referring <laughs> to Shine. But I did kind of find it a little, sc- you know, like as a scary. kid, that Hoth scene is scary. I mean, they say he says it's prepare for the ground assault. Yeah. That's that means again, it's they're here. Yes. I remember as a kid, yeah, they're at the door. You know, now with special effects, I mean, you can say the adats don't look as scary. You know, it's obviously stop motion. But as a I kid, when he looks those through those binoculars, yeah. and you're going, wait, what? What the? What is that? What is that? And again, it's just that idea that the empire is here. Yeah. They're oh, on yeah. the ground. They're coming to you. Yeah. They're not up in space mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. You know, so targeting you from the Death Star. They are on the ground and. You know, seeing the rebels turn and run. I mean, there's a real sense of for for a little kid. I would think there's a real sense of fear in 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 a lot mm-hmm. of that. You know, so I I I, I get it. Well, yeah. Vader is scarier in this. He's up he, the ante. He's unleashed in this. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. up the ante on killing people. He's choking. Yes. He's choking yeah. generals well, he left and right, cho- choking and promoting them out left and right. people That's... to admiral and being like, "You're in charge now." He's just fucking so done with the bullshit. Filmmaking. Lord Vader, the fleet has moved out to flight speed and we're preparing to... You have failed me for the last time, Admiral. Captain Piet. Yes, my lord. Make ready to land our troops beyond their energy field and deploy the fleet so that nothing gets off the system. You are in command now, Admiral Piet. Thank you, Lord Vader. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the screenplay, right? So uh, Lee Brackett, this this yes. elderly woman, Lee Brackett, did the first <laughs> draft, and uh, but she wrote like the classic. She did like the Big Sleep, and I think Rio oh, Bravo. Yeah. yeah, but I'm saying she was an classic older. Woman. She was like an 80 year old woman when she wrote this screenplay, yeah. and then and then and right, Lawrence Kasdan. Then, yeah, uh, yeah. Did she the died time. before. I think. Oh, did she it, pass away before? She passed was, away. Wow. It was yeah, like very soon it. after doing her first draft. Wow. You got to hand it to Lucas too. Such interesting choices in like who to, to respect for to. elders, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like yeah, 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 totally. I am with his, you know, just her work. Her and Kirshner are an interesting pair to go to for this second episode. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I just think it's, I just think it's great. I just think it makes all the smart choices. And I think Lucas was jealous of it ultimately because not that it, uh, it didn't it wasn't outperform his, yeah. Star, Star right. Wars, but it, but it did in terms of, I think, critical acclaim critical and it's still reviews, to this day yeah. it it yeah. has that estimation as the best of all of them and it's the one he had the mm-hmm. least he had his hands on the least of the first six obviously right. then, yeah. then disney bought him out but you know then then with jedi it was you know he didn't want to do the day-to-day directing but richard marquand you know probably a lovely 
talented man, but really more of a shadow director for Lucas. And Kirshner was like, no, I'm going to direct it. I'm going to direct it. And we're going to fight about things. And, you know, and and, and it was Lucas's money. And, you know, Kirshner was spending it. And you can see it on the screen. It's more (laughs) it's a more beautiful movie. Um, It's the most beautiful Star Wars movie, I think. And, you know, that's uh, yeah. So so it's you know what I really loved and I've and I've always loved and appreciated both these performances but even more so in this rewatch is, is Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. So good. And it, it's always great, but I just, I love how when the movie starts, there's already a tension, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it doesn't, you don't like stuff has happened already. You know, time has passed. Yeah. There are things going on and they don't, you don't see, I mean, obviously you see the relationship blossom, but you don't see the tension starts slowly and built like it's there already. And the looks between them in the, especially, you know, right in the beginning, that first exchange between them, just the look is amazing. And then I really, really, really loved Harrison Ford's performance in this. And Mm -hmm. I always has, this is my favorite performance of his in any of the, you know, the star Wars movies, Mm -hmm. just because again, I find it so fun. Like one of my favorite lines is, is when he goes, uh, how's this? When he's trying to get the Falcon working. I don't know why watching that this time. I just, I howled. It's just so funny. Like, how is this? Like, they're just trying different things. But well, it's because it's what, what it you would do in your garage with, exactly. with you know, your buddies. That do anything? You know. That do anything? Yeah, yeah. that yeah. do anything. How's this? Does this work? It It's so great. I love you. I know. It's the moment that, that breaks my heart is when they close the shields at Hoth. Yes. And there's just that slow shot, that pan in of Leia. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that door closes and Chewie's screaming yeah. and crying. Oh. Jason, you mentioned Peter Mayhew in, when you listed mm-hmm. off the cast in the beginning. And he gets, so, you know, he usually does not get listed along with like, hey, here's people who are great in the Star Wars movies. He's, he's fucking so great. Yeah. He's fucking great. Rest his soul. So he, he's he's yeah. so, he does so much with his eyes and with his body behind yeah. that fucking fursuit. It's, it's, it's such great work he's doing. Mm-hmm. And and so is David Prowse for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is all like, you know, let's go back to the ancient Greeks and fucking the ancient Egyptians and, and acting in masks and acting in full body stuff with your body and with your eyes and with your voice. And it's incredible work that they're doing physically. It, and so is fucking Frank Oz, which we need I, to talk about. I was going to say, talk about incredible work. That's it. That's a puppet. And it's, and it only has so much dexterity yep. because it's a physical fucking puppet yes that's and they right. have a million wires running through it and make the eyes open more or whatever sure. but i mean yeah but the physicality of it i mean that's you, you take his hand away and all of a sudden it just sits there and it's beautiful but it's yeah lifeless right. and then it's just imbued with so so yeah. much uh yoda's yeah. and an incredible creation and such a we talk about big swings right what a big swing to have such a major character who imparts God. so much important information and wisdom and is, is so much the heart he's of the, the thing force. he's the goddamn to be, force to, to be a puppet and it's like yeah. if that doesn't work the whole fucking thing doesn't work and you didn't have to put yourself in that position but of course but you do if you're ambitious and they were ambitious yes. you know what i mean they're like and can we're gonna we do, do something right? on another yeah. level you do nothing that i say master moving stones around is one thing this is totally different no, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. 
Do or do not. There is no try. <sighs> Listen, I'm cutting to the chase. Yes. I'm giving it 10 goddamn Sheilas. So am I. I'm giving it 11. <laughs> 10 All is right, the top. 10, ten is the top. I'll give <laughs> Unless it. it's Megaforce. Then it's well, then Megaforce, Megaforce did not go over 10. I know you, you said did that for Fred. It, it, Megaforce went over? It, I, Fred gave it 276. Count. That's where Damon listens and then says, okay, just it maxes out at 10. No, it was like a couple of Sheilas and then like 52 Barry Bostwick blue headbands. Oh, yes, there was that's something, right. There was another metrics there. That's, but that's true. That's true. That's very true. true. Yeah. yeah, no, this no. is 10 Sheilas. Absolutely. Uh, it's absolutely a 10 Sheila movie. It's it's as close to per- perfection uh, as uh, as you can get. You mentioned that scene where, you know, the door opens and Han so, uh, you know, Lander Calrissian <sighs> says, oh, it's a, you know, I just made a deal shot. that'll keep the Empire out of here forever. Oh. He, the, the door opens and there's, there's um, uh, Darth Vader. Vader. If you look on the table... If you like really look closely at the table, the, the Empire has ordered Arby's. And you wouldn't think <laughs> there's little packets of horsey sauce. There's a there's a there's a beef and cheddar there. You wouldn't think there would be an Arby's on Bespin. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. I didn't there's a table think setting of, on the table. Oh yeah. Is there a chicken there? I always think there's a chicken <laughs> there. <laughs> oh. it might be. I just don't, I don't know how Darth Vader eats That's with it. that it's mask. Is it, does he have a straw? About, it's the same thing we said about the Star Wars holiday special when it's like uh, when it's uh, when Art Carney says oh, he took some food and he ran off into the hills and because you've never <laughs> seen a stormtrooper without the helmet on, right. you were like, I don't know, is it a human being under there or is it, they're just trying uh, to like shove food through the mask somehow? Like, oh god, I can't get uh, this drumstick past the grate that is my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a free country. I'm a person. What time is the wedding? What time? Oh my God! Wait, 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 wait! What time is it now? <gasps> you guys, it's starting. I think it's starting now. Wait, oh, wait, okay. hold on! Oh wait, wait, wait. I got a good what? black tie, right? Yes, put on your black tie. Get that T-shirt that you've got that with the the tuxedo T-shirt, <laughs> right? That'll do it. I'm gonna put my my thing on that has the flip up dicky. <laughs> Just in case I need it. It's got a pull tab on it. Okay. All right. Now let me let me just let I me just for um, the new Remington Steel last week. So let me see if I can <laughs> that's right. All right. Let me just let me just click some some let me get get onto Zoom here. Okay, I'm clicking onto Zoom. Zoom is the platform that gained such popularity over COVID. Did it not? Okay, I, I think I, it did. I think it did. I think a few wedding is happening it. over Zoom. Okay, what well, Look at this, guys. Look, look, look. Okay, I'm sharing my screen so you can see. Oh. Look. <gasps> oh. oh this is lovely. Look at the altar. It's all decked out with, Is the are those little cutouts of birds and fish? I, how, yeah, I think so. And bees. Oh, this how beautiful. beautiful. It's nature's it's like, bounty. Nature's uh, bounty. And <laughs> what like, a perfect day. What a perfect day. Now, where, where is that? Forgive me, but where's the wedding taking place again? This is at, um, I can't tell if this is the bird sanctuary or the fish hatchery, but it's definitely outside. It's a beautiful blue sky it's, it's day. It's probably a place that starts with an S, if I'm correct, well, right? they're in it's Spokane. That much oh, I Spokane. know. Spokane. That's, yeah, it. that's that, what I was. They're, okay. They're, they're in Spokane. But look, oh, wait a minute. The celebrant is taking his play. It's Pacino. That's Pacino, right? Oh, yeah. I can tell from, from the neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can I thought tell it was Dr. The- Ruth Westheimer. <laughs> 
but now I can see more clearly. No, he's looking. I, I mean, was, you can tell. You can also I, tell because he constantly look, he's looking for his keys. He just he keeps padding pockets. So that's that's definitely. Well, he, he, he is double parked. That much I know. <laughs> okay, well, he's taking the, his place up there. Oh, here comes. Oh, bro, there's oh, Dreyfus. Oh, oh, he looks just. Oh God, he looks fucking he, Wow, I mean, he's he's dressed like uh, Mr. Holland at the end of the movie. He somehow. Got that over his fish skin. Okay, he's this up there. How is he um, doing Next that? to him, next to him is Jack. He chose Jack as the best man, it looks like. Okay. Interesting. Oh, good. Okay, look. Oh, look who is coming down the aisle. It's the ring bearer and the flower girl. Adam and Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> it's Adam and Jacob. Oh, what lovely beautiful. music. This, what lovely yeah, music sure. they're playing. It is... It's, it seems moment. like an odd choice. That's all yeah. I'll say. And then, <laughs> Strange choice. This must be the wedding party. This is uh, this is Tote, and it looks like he's being accompanied. Oh, beautiful by a, gown on. Yeah, <laughs> he's wearing a lovely he's, salmon he colored with gown. Face. It's actually doesn't seem to be dripping too much. It's not too bad. There's a little on the shoulder there, oh, but he's not dripping too much. He's saran wrap. Down. Look at that. He's got oh. saran wrap all around. His head, he's holding it in, and, and his his he's accompanied by is that a is that a hornet next to him like an actual just That's flying so next to his face? He looks good with that. I don't know if what he's wearing, but I think I mean if this were on like E Entertainment, they'd be like you know the fashion of the day. It's nefarious. Twenty twenty two is going to be nefarious, girl. I know. Seriously, he wears like, nefarious like, well. It's like Billy Porter's wearing that. Yeah, yeah it's really. It's he something. really looks good. He, he really looks fantastic. Look, look, look! Here comes Geppetto, another groomsman. Aww. Geppetto with a with a well, it looks like a fish. Must be a must be a must relative be a of. The Dreyfus family, perhaps, and uh, he's 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 walking alongside a a, a, a a fish there. No, well, he's actually carrying a fish bowl. Looks like yeah. that could be his dinner. That could that might not be. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I guess we I guess we're supposed to stand up. Let's stand uh, up, boys. Okay. I'm hearing the uh, I'm hearing the beginnings of the wedding march here. Oh boy. Boy. And here, oh, and you can see, you can, oh, look who's, look who's playing the music. Look, it's Eustace. Oh, how nice. Here she comes. <gasps> Our first glimpse. Here she <gasps> Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh, that's what a, oh. a half woman, half murder hornet. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You can't cover that like. I think oh. she's stunning. Well, you oh. do? What? You know, she doesn't look half bad. <laughs> Which, well, which, which half? Which half? Which half? That's the thing. <laughs> See, okay. I mean, all now things I'm, considered, I'm, I'm, I've never been happier for spotty internet. I mean, there's a, there's some <laughs> pixelation going on here that is really it's helping but, me. But she wears the dress so well. She really does. She really does, and she sort of floats off her lower of, thorax so nicely. <laughs> She looks like she looks a little like that the the girl from that blind melon video. <laughs> well, Just all she can say is her her life is not pretty plain. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay, look, look, it looks like Pacino's about to speak. Oh, let me turn out the volume here. Okay, let's listen in. Let's listen in. I'll mute. I'll mute us for the for the time being so that we can talk, but they won't be able to hear us. Okay. 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 Ah. Everybody, put find your candies. If you got candies, I cannot find my candies. Well, Jack, reach in here. 
Get my candies. Really? Right now? Perfect, perfect, perfect. A Werther's. Oh. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Oh, look at all of you. Look at all this nature. <laughs> we are gathered here to unite two very, well, more like four or five very special beings in two corporal forms. Sheila, the bug lady. I don't have a, I don't have a thing. Does anybody have a, a full name? <laughs> anybody have a full Tote. Tote, where, where's my card? It's, it's Sheila Smith Johnson Johnson Smythe Smithson. Fantastic. I'm not going to say all that. But thank you very much. But you heard it. Most of you heard that. Sheila, what's her face? <laughs> to be united with... Uh, uh, you know, Duddy Kravitz himself, Richard Dreyfus, your pot quail, your pot salmon, you're all mensch. <laughs> if there's anybody here, and I know some of you things can't talk, or your mouth is on your ass, or, I mean, there's quite a menagerie here. If anybody's got an issue that they want to raise with uh, with this, this, let's say, let's, let's just call it a space, but problematic. This problematic marriage. If anybody has anything to say, uh, speak now. Oh, look, look, you guys, you guys, look who's standing up. Who oh is my that? God, What's going it's on? Adam. I'm just here to say, not what you think, not what you think, okay? I am here to say that if you want to, if anyone here wants to support any of my new businesses, I will be launching. <laughs> The flat tire strikes back. Jacob <laughs> Joseph, what what did you have? What did you have for uh, for the Gong Show movie? You had a great idea for a business uh, that you wanted to, to to tell the crowd about here at the wedding. Oh yeah, um, um, my, what I thought would be a great a great business would be um, um, clean clean the man sing machine. And what it is, is it's a machine. This is brilliant. It's this is brilliant. A man comes, a man comes into your house and he sings while he cleans your house and he can have clothes or not. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's kind of, you get to choose how, what he should look like, but he'll come in and he'll clean and he'll clean and he'll be a man singing and he'll, oh, and he'll also, he'll, he'll, he won't be a machine because he'll be a man, but he'll go people, 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 so that it feels like it's a machine. Because sometimes people get scared when it's a real person and they like the idea of a robot better. Why are you doing no sit down? Why are you no sit down? You ruined the wedding. Why are you no sit down? Thank Mr. you, Geppetto. I'm trying to have this wedding, huh? I, I make all of this food for everybody. Come on, Mr. Jack. Why? This how come you don't get these people to sit down? This Wait. wedding is nuts. I tell you, <laughs> nuts. Somebody G call a Bob Streisand, huh? Japan, oh, no, I've already. I, I, we had phone sex for like an hour forty last night, so I've already <laughs> spoken to her, and I said, Babs, while we're cleaning up here, you want to come? You want to make a trip? 
And she said, she said, no, she said, no, no, Jackie, I can't do, I can't do her. I mean, I've done it, but I can't do the voice. But anyway, so she was invited just so you know, I shall probably be sending something. So uh, there you go, uh, Rick. That would have been great to have her singing at the wedding. She could have sang along. I could have played a little, could have played a little, uh, uh, you don't bring me flowers, ain't no more. We could have sung that together, her and me. Oh, dadgum, I wish she'd hear. <laughs> I you guys, she was talking. She was talking. <laughs> I just want to get married. I know, my love. I know we, we have to let all these people go once around with their shenanigans. <laughs> but 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 soon, 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 our love will be consummated. Can, can, couldn't we continue, Alphonse? Por favor. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. So, so if nobody else has anything to say, where's Dan? <gasps> what? I'm sorry. Did you say Shira? <laughs> Dan, I have something to say. And it's where's Dan? Oh my Sheila, Jesus I don't, Christ. I don't think this is the time nor the place we're, we're about to be married in she front of all our family me? and friends. She's asking for Dan is she asking for? She I thought we weren't you. going to be discussing Daniel hitting, anymore or I'm, that infernal podcast. I'm, I'm hitting on mute. I'm hitting it now. Um, Sheila? Dan! Sheila, oh. I, I, I'm here on Zoom. Hi, Dan. Oh, you're Hi, so... Sheila. You're so handsome. Oh. I, I feel ugly. I feel <laughs> disgusting. Oh, I'm God, guys. Dreyfus looks so pissed. Look he at looks him. really, really pissed. Sheila, I can't tell you how happy I am for you today. You look beautiful. The wedding is coming off beautifully. Al's doing a great job. And I... Thank I, you. I, I, <laughs> I am so happy for you. And on behalf of... Fred and Jason in the opening weekend podcast. Yes. We are so happy for you today to be here mm-hmm. on Zoom at your wedding. Yes, just just we wish you all the joy in the world. We're so pleased for both of you. And we just Mazel want you to tough. be happy. We just want you yeah. to be happy. But I'd be happiest with. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <gasps> oh no, you guys! It's Dr. Merlot. The hell is going oh, on here, Sheila? We had an agreement. All right. <gasps> This is all, this is part, this is bigger than you or me, and that's saying something. This is bigger than any of us here. Any of us. So you've got to go through with this. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anymore. Anymore. Complaining and calling for Dan. And you, 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 are you a bread for greatness? Dr. Malo. You stay away from her. We thought we had gotten rid of you, and now here you are showing up and screwing up this wedding. And you you sit down and you enjoy the wedding like everyone else. Because you guys, the time phone is ringing. The oh, time my phone. oh boy. Hello? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, calling from the past, the present, or the future. We're never quite sure. Mr. Nick Nolte himself. God damn it. Hey everybody. How is everybody doing? And I just I had to I had to come in and weigh in a little bit here on on the the wedding of the century. And that was uh, the last wedding of the century was my penis and Roscoe's coffee can. But that was that didn't last. It didn't last at some point. <laughs>
It's got to You got to get some air. And that was a divorce. That was a divorce for the ages. But I just want them to say, God damn it. Just give love a chance. I haven't, I haven't got around it. I have all around the world. And I, 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 I've never, I've never seen a couple who is more suited for each other than that son of a bitch, Richard Dreyfus, the squirreliest little. I'm surprised you didn't mix him with a squirrel there, Merlo, because he's like a little squirrel, a little, little chipmunk of a man. And he, when we were done down in Elmberry, he was, oh, yeah. Damn, upset all the time. I'm like, oh, I can't find love. I can't find love. That was a pretty, that was pretty good. That was pretty good, but you got it. I just did. But anyway, I always said, I, I told him before, I said, why don't you go marry one of those fucking things? And I would point to a, a, a giant beehive out in the... Out in the yard, out in Bette Midler's yard, and we would have we would have orgies there sometimes and stuff. And he was like, and he would he get a little glint in his eye, and I say, "What the hell, goddamn it! Were you attracted to bees, you piece of shit?" And then he would say, oh, "No, no, no!" And then, and then he and he'd cover himself up and such. But I could tell there was something brewing down there. So I say, "Just love, just love, and love and love. Love is love. Love is love. Love <laughs> is love." Nick Nolte finally, at long last, talking some sense. Finally. No need for Lumpy to translate this time. There's really no need because it all makes. Oh, there it is. Love is love, right, Lumpy? Love is. Love. That's what he's trying to tell us. So, oh, oh, oh! His, oh, his kind of love is happening right now. Oh, he, he put the virtual reality helmet on. Um, Oh God, Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll's in there. <laughs> wow, wow, wiki. Listen, if there's one, if there's one thing that Nick Nolte has said on this entire, on the entirety of the podcast, it's love is love. And so, Doctor Merlot, the rest of you, I implore you to take his advice and let this wedding happen. Let these two love birds, love fish, love bees, whatever the hell they are, get married finally. What about uh, uh, Bob? The, the, the uh, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful time I had with uh, with William Murray. Wonderful time, but uh, we can I'm, we can talk about it if we, if if the wedding is going to be off. I'm happy to talk about my career, or we could get married, whichever you whichever I, I you prefer. I was going to say, what about my final business? No, the the mining. Jacob Joseph and I go into a mine, and then we don't come out. Let's get on with it. Thank God Streisand's not here, because I'd have to leave. <laughs> you got something, there's something bubbling out of the side of your saran wrap there. Somebody poke a hole in Tote's face just to... Well, I'll get it. I'll sop it up with a biscuit. Oh, there we are. There we oh, are. Jesus Let's get this around the Let's get this around the Sheila, you feeling okay about this now, honey? Yes, Nick really clarified everything I was feeling and, and fearing, and I, I think I'm ready to give myself fully to Richard. Yay! Oh, this is wonderful, Sheila. I'm, I'm so, so happy, happy to hear for this. you. So happy to hear this, my that's, darling. That's terrific. So, okay. Okay. Bebop. Bebop, you, uh, you take fish face over here to be... <laughs> Your lawfully wedded husband to have, to hold, to rub, to tug, to lie down in shady fields with. I don't know. I still don't. I can't find my keys or my notes. I know Tote just gave them to me. But, but you're, what, what do you do? You take this guy? I do. Yay. Oh, wonderful. And you. 
Richie, Big Dick Dreyfus. <laughs> what are you? What are you gonna do? You gonna you gonna you gonna you gonna make it? You gonna make it honest here? Always, <laughs> always, my oh, Sheila will stand oh. by me. Oh. I will let it ride. <laughs> no longer goodbye, girl. Oh, hello, love. Oh, I do. Oh, ah, fantastic! Wonderful. And now. I think uh, they're going to go back to the hotel and have a gross encounter. Um, (laughs) If you know what I mean. So, uh, I know by the power vested in me by something online, I pronounce you man slash quail slash salmon and wife slash bee slash cardamom pancake maker. You now may, oh, God, kiss each other if you can find where, oh, oh, that's it. That's it. Oh, oh, oh they're oh. doing it. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, meeting. End the, I'm going to end meeting here and just uh, go ahead and click it. Congratulations, you Congratulations. crazy kids. Mazels, mazels, mazels. Mazels, mazels. Okay, clicking it now. And uh, all right. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's a so lot there. If you've <laughs> come back from the bathroom break, listeners, uh, you missed a beautiful wedding. It was gorgeous. Oh, yes. Beautiful May wedding. Wow. We. Uh, nice to beautiful. see. Nice to see them all. You know, we've been through a lot with Sheila. She was our first listener. And uh, to, I, I feel like in a way we were giving her away too. Yeah. Yes. We were there. We we're sort of an extended family. So, yeah. so that's nice. And listen to, to the rest of you listeners, you know, if you want to invite us to your weddings, I hope we've inspired some other, uh, you know, acts of love through this podcast. Yeah, some love and, stories. It's yeah. True. Have there been other love connections? I don't know. Who knows? Oh, no. We'd love to hear about them. And, you know, our love for movies hopefully inspires you to love each other and to love us. And the best way to love us <laughs> is to listen, to subscribe, to go ahead onto the iTunes, write a nice review on, on there. Yeah, and, for, uh, our, for our anniversary. Our yeah, first anniversary, anniversary our, for our 50th. Our 50th. Divide 50 by 10 and give the five stars. Come on, yeah. put the five <laughs> stars on there. One for every 10 episodes. Huh? Oh, what a beautiful way to celebrate 50 episodes with you all. Uh, what, 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 what shall the next 50 hold? Um, <laughs> come back next week and find out as we uh, return with episode 51. We're traveling back. We're staying in the 80s and we're traveling back to May 21st, 1982. And the movies that week were The Road Warrior, which was actually oh. released, I guess, in Australia in 81 as Mad Max Two starring yeah. Mel Gibson, um, but uh, but here in the states it was released in May uh, of that year, eighty two, and and retitled The Road Warrior, uh, the motion picture adaptation of the Broadway musical Annie, starring Albert Finney and Carol Burnett, along wow. with who was the little girl Aileen Quinn as yes. Annie. Yep, um, that's a movie I saw a lot as a kid. My sister mm-hmm. and I saw that a lot, and yes, the movie. That I missed E.T. for Steve Martin in <laughs> Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Dan, what you got for us to close out our 50th? I think we have to do a little medley. I think we have to do a little. <gasps> I was medley. hoping for that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think you'll recognize both of these two. Okay. Let me just warm up a little bit here. For do, I need to, do I need to stand up to get ready to dance at any point? Well, I'll, I'll find out. I think you will. I okay. think you will. All right. Let me see if I can. 
Got to crack the knuckles. Got to get the hands ready. Okay. Let me just tune up first. Hang on. Sometimes okay. I have to tune up. <laughs> okay. That's the note I want. Come on, I wouldn't have been gone no. by, by a J.P. Morgan or a Phil no. Stiller. No, no, no. They would have Jamie taken you Farr back then. might have been jealous <laughs> Maybe. of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Vietnam. Mr. Holland, dust till dawn. Charles Groden stills. This is so exciting. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm so tired. You got this. We're with you. We are so with you. What I have to do with a voice? That's what <laughs> That's what's making it work. What I have to do with a voice? <laughs> uh, uh.